to another episode I'm Daniel with me as always is Ben Magnet. Hello there. Sparks Woody. Hi, hi. I genuinely forgot that you were pulling Ben's leg about this being his intro and was confused. Oh, <laughs> before we recorded, I said it was Ben's intro. It is not. It's my intro. Uh, and Ryan Eliopoulos is not here today. He is on a much needed vacation. That's true. So, uh, hope you're next time. But we're here and we've got some links in the description below. That we do. Um, we'll talk about, I'll, t- I'll say the things about this channel. You know, guys like this video, subscribe to this channel. I'm saying that up top this time. Um, we have two new fake nerds watches up um, for me. I did a uh, Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, as as I've said before, I'm doing a Star Trek Discovery Fake Nerds Watch series with Cookie from Just a Little Podcast and uh, Michael Carls from Downright Annoyed. Nope, Downright Nerdy. Um, and I mean uh, both. He's on both. He is on both, yes. Um, and uh, we paired up episode 11 and episode 12 of Star Trek Discovery. Um and the last episode is coming up. And thank goodness. And uh, it's they've been up all week, these uh, Fake Nerds Watch episodes, so you can go check them out. Make sure you've done so. They have not. <laughs> Definitely have. But I appreciate you trying. I, I really appreciate you putting them up. Anyway, I, I'm sure you had a very busy week. Um, so uh, they are, uh, that, that is up right now. A little bit about that one. That one was uh, a little bit... Look, Discovery has completely lost steam, but the but the last episode, episode 12, was pretty interesting. There was some good stuff in episode 12. Um, a lot of it is dealing with the fact that they cannot communicate with the new species of alien, um, and it's all about them trying to figure out how to. And that was cool. That was a lot of fun to watch. It's from good Star Trek stuff. The highlight there is that we talked in that episode, I believe, is that we talked about Star Trek Strange New Worlds trailer, which dropped uh, this week. So. Uh, can I ask a question about Discovery? You may. Um, so at this point, do you have hope for like the show to, to surge back up to something you want to watch, or do you just kind of wish this next episode was the end? Look, I always wanted to be good. Well, sure. Sure. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, do you, do you have, like, I know you'll watch it. You're going to come back for more discovery. I'm not saying that I'm saying like, do you feel like better to cut the losses at this moment? Or do you feel think, like there is hope for a brighter future still? I think there is still hope for a brighter. You know, future I, I'm, I'm asking like, are you at that Walking Dead Negan point? You know? Oh no, I'm are, not. There. Are, are, are we clearly at the moment where like the best days are now behind us? <laughs> I'm worried that they are, but the new setting is still fascinating. Uh, they're in the 32nd century, which is furthest than any Star Trek series has ever taken us, and I'm I'm so interested in exploring that that section. It's just the plot of that series. The plot of the series is it just can't sustain 13 episodes. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I, I didn't mean to do this, but I, I realized that Walking Dead came to mind because of the news this week, which we did not put in our news. Right. Uh, th- I, real quick, Walking Dead is getting another spinoff series about about Negan and um, Maggie. Maggie. And I can't believe it. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I can't believe they made the announcement before this season's over. So I'm like, so clearly these characters are fine. Yeah. Uh, not only are they fine, but they're flourishing together. Yeah. Our, my, our favorite characters, Maggie Boy. and Vegan. Which is Boy. weird because one of them killed the other's husband, which, okay, you do you. That's like, 
that's like announcing a spinoff series about um, Game of Thrones characters like before the last season so before the the war with the white walkers and everything and it's like yeah the, uh we're gonna see you know whoever go off with and like you're what well, we know they live <laughs> yeah i feel uh, like every time a new walking dead show comes out i think the meme of the simpsons meme where it's like stop stop he's already dead should be played because it's like just stop we, we i have to, to- I have to admit that I'm still super interested and apparently have good reason to be in the World Beyond spinoff series. Uh, I think there's still a lot of cool storytelling to be done with the world of The Walking Dead. I just think the flagship show has really, we really dug about, itself into a hole. We talked about it before with uh, like the Rick-centered movies that haven't come out yet, where, oh it's, just, where it's just like, oh my God. The, the time for these things has passed. The, the height of Walking Dead is when you did this, and we are so far beyond the height of Walking Dead. I think Walking Dead would still be more popular if Walking Dead the show had ended like four years ago, but these spinoffs were happening. Sure. I think like people would be into it, like these little like morsels of different Walking Dead type stories. I think I think I'd still be in it. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, Sorry, but, uh, Discovery. But about Discovery, like I remember thinking, I remember thinking specifically how how the problem is specifically the plots that they're that they're choosing because. I did a list and a little bit of sizzle for a list that I did on Screen Rant, which just went up today. I talked about a lot of the Captain Pike episodes that Discovery had. And uh, through it, I was revisiting the plot line of season two, which season two has some issues. But honestly, I think it's the best show ever did because the plot sustained all 13 episodes. It was interesting. It was an it was an engaging mystery that every character had stakes in that was engaged with. It. And we're not doing that anymore. Everything I understand from you and from other sources is that the show was good before it went to the future well season two was good i and don't care for season one is season two the future no season three is the future that's what i thought that's what i'm saying yeah everything like people have liked everything before it went to the future and then it went to the, it's not because it went to the future it's bad but like yeah it's been, it's unfortunately been the case that since that happened they did the future thing because they were tired of of everyone complaining how discovery doesn't fit with the original series and so they were like well, we'll just shove it into the future and nobody's going to complain about that anymore which they I were mean, right i mean just have a real trek nerd write it instead of having kurtzman run the show well kurtzman's not writing it anymore um anymore keyword anymore yeah <laughs> and, and the the showrunner the showrunner i've talked about like the showrunners for the for the live action star treks I'll get to that in a minute. Don't seem to be like the big the the big kind of Trek nerds that the animated shows are getting. And that's its own issue. Um, but the new setting is interesting. There is potential for the 32nd century to grab me. Uh, these these season-long arcs are just not there. They're just not interesting. They're just not something that anybody is invested in. Sure. Anyway, the other Fake News Watch series that was put out was Picard. Uh, we finally put out the first episode of Star Trek Picard, season one, uh, season two. Uh, so I'm the the, uh, the person who edits these videos to go up. So I heard the beginning, and I heard both Brandon and Michael be relieved that each other both were very happy with this episode, <laughs> which was very good. I was like, "Oh, this is nice." We were we were ecstatic. <laughs> but the, the funny thing was, we were talking about it, and we were like, because I wasn't sure because you know Mike is pretty picky, um, and we both didn't like season one of Picard. And so I was like, "Well, wait. I mean, if I'm, I like I'm, it." This- I'm reading between the lines, but I don't think he liked the Batman. No. <laughs> yeah. No. He oh, didn't. you already know, don't you? <laughs> I know. I've, we have recorded episode two of Picard, and it will be up this week. Uh, yeah, he did not like the Batman. Um, uh, but look forward to that review coming up soon. 
Um, but Picard, a lot of fun to talk about Picard. We really like it. It's 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 really it's exactly what I want season one to be. It's it's something special. I think it, it's shot up to my second favorite Star Trek show behind Lower Decks. Um, the the everything that that was that was wrong with the first season was fixed in the first episode. Uh, couldn't believe it. So that episode, a little bit of sizzle there. That episode is up now. The second episode has been recorded and will be up this week. So stay tuned for that. We're all caught up with Big Nice Watch. Uh, the Batman review is up. That's not linked below currently in the live sh- in the live stream, but it will be up by the time we watch the rewind and the uh, uh, audio. Mm. Ben, yeah, you had a couple episodes on Grace and Life ha- happen this week. I did. We put out um, episodes 15 and 16 of us playing through... Uh, uh, new... uh, mm, 16 and 17. 16 and 17. Really? 16 and 17? I could have swore it was... Well, I might be wrong. Get, get on your shit, Ben. I, I keep them, Ben. I keep everything. I mean, I just recorded some earlier with him today, so I got to be like, yo, what was the last episode we did? 16 and um, 17. Put up, we're up today. Okay, so 16 and 17. And yeah uh what was I? yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) reflexes were not with us on that last episode i know you saw it i've watched both yes yeah uh our reflexes were not there we uh we sucked at the auditory cues on uh jumping and doing a whole bunch of other stuff and uh grayson's grayson's impatience is quite something to watch (laughs) his friend omikun says the exact same thing on the comments and the videos it's great (laughs) Grayson, like I'm trying to tell, and also because I, I rewatched the episode and when I went back to record today, I was like, okay, I didn't. Ex- so a little sizzle for when when the new episodes are coming out, not the, uh, this upcoming week, but next week. Um, I do tell him it's like it's like a, a one, two, three, then you jump on those mm-hmm. on those blinking levels. Of course, we don't remember that. Have well, we it's it, it's really funny. It's really funny, Sparks. I don't know if you watched the Grayson live videos. Um, so it's really funny because like. Ben will be sitting there, will be playing and, and be like, don't, don't go, don't go that way. Don't go that way yet. Don't go that way yet. And he'll, he, Grayson's already gone. Grayson's on the other side of the map. Grayson's already fallen off the map. Grayson has already made it so that Ben can't get a star. Like, it's, it's really funny to watch. Wow. I'm like, hey, we got to time this right. And he goes, Wee! he's just already gone. It's like he's um, Leroy Jenkinsing it without really Leroy Jenkinsing it. And it's really, it, it, it's, it's fun stuff. I'm glad he's doing it. I'm glad I'm the uh, good news is we recorded some more today. So more on the future, more in the future. Woo-hoo. Ben, you've yes. been speaking a lot about it this, uh, this past couple of weeks, but your first article for go Nintendo. Yes. Go week. Nintendo be- uh, went up live last Monday. My review for gem wizards tactics is up. I am officially writing for them. I am super excited. And this was like my first full on video game review where I actually got a review code for it. And it's wow. really, and it, it was kind of hitting me because when I was telling Fanny about uh, while I was playing this game, and she's like, "Oh, so what is this a demo?" I'm like, no, this is like the full game. And she's like, "Well, how much did you pay for?" I was like, "I didn't. I got the review code. I'm a, a video game reviewer now." It's like that weird like sense of like, "Oh shit, this is real." So now I'm probably gonna get like a whole bunch of uh, other Switch games that I review that I need to review. That's gonna be like, and once I'm done reviewing them, instantly delete off my Switch because especially the game I reviewed for uh, for my first one. And my cat just knocked something over. <laughs> if, was if that what that, that was? That was probably my cat knocking. <laughs> That's funny. It's like, uh, Suki. Anyways, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That game's not last staying on my Switch anymore. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. Just uh... I.E., if you want to go read that review, Ben didn't like it. So. <laughs> but if you want to know Spoiler why... alert, he didn't like it. But if you want to know why I didn't like it, go ahead and check the review out. They're actually, actually, my editor said I had some really valid points on that game. So, yay. There you go. Um, you hear that, people? Don't spend your money on this game. Well, you're here first. Oh. Maybe the same version. All right. Get a review code. I also, uh, there's a couple other links in the description for me. Um, I did a, uh, I did an article this week for Atomic Geekdom. That Ooh. was not my Infinity Saga series. It was, uh, I didn't name it this. The editor decided it. Uh, why Pixar? Um, this is a, a piece that I've been trying to write for a little bit, for a little bit, and I timed it with the release of Turning Red, which we're talking about today. Um, and this is about uh, the decision and the precedent essentially that Disney has set um, with um, putting now three Pixar films exclusively on Disney plus and no extra charge. Um, like three and a half, honestly. What was that? What's the half? Onward, onward is the half. Because no. the, oh, I forgot about onward. The pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I talked about the same things that we've talked about here, like how soul kind of made sense. Luca didn't. And now turning red made even less sense. And the further we get, the less sense they make. Um, I don't know if you guys like, we'll get into it when we talk, we won't get into this specific fact. We're going to talk about turning red later, but I don't know if you guys saw in the credits, but it said optimized for IMAX screens. Yep. I did not see that. Well, yeah, I would have liked was, to have seen it on it was, those IMAX it was screens. For IMAX the same way that Lightyear is. And I'm like, oh. boy, that's upsetting. Oh. Yeah. Very upset about that. And so my upsetness, I put into an article and you can read it now. Uh, that is linked below. I'm pretty happy with how that one turned out. Um, As you should. Yeah. It was a really good read. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, and my latest issue, my latest, um, series, my latest piece on the infinity saga, uh, revisiting the infinity saga has been put up this week. Um, crazy prescient. timing. Yeah. A little prescient. Yeah. Um, this was about the, not the post credit scene, the very end of the incredible Hulk, um, where Tony Stark shows up and talks to William Hurt. Mm-hmm. And we'll also talk about it in a bit. Um, that's the kind of so like I talked about kind of what that meant for the you know look you know about this I'm almost I'm almost done after a little bit of sizzle after I get to forty I'm gonna write an interlude um, I'm gonna take a, a couple weeks like a couple weeks break to write a quick little different thing so the Infinity Saga series has gotten far longer than I initially thought <laughs> um, but yeah so that's up there now you can check out all those links below as well as my screen rant work my author page is linked below and you can check out some of the pieces that i wrote for screen rant i've got i've got two strange new worlds pieces now um one about the trailer and then one about some of the episodes that you should watch if you're excited for the show uh i have a master chief uh piece where i where i write about all the actors who have played master chief i didn't realize there were so many there are many actors who have played master chief steve downs has only done the video game um and then I did, oh, a Guillermo del Toro piece that was put up this week. Uh, yeah, you know the drill. There's, there's, there's some other, there's some other, uh, other ones there. So, you can check them all out if you like. And uh, that's it. Who wants to go first that week? I will. Do, I, wait, wait. Do I have any links in the description? Do you? No, I'm just kidding. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> even I, even I was like, wait a minute. Do you? <laughs> no. Well, it makes sense that you would say that. <laughs> We once told him, I'm going to say the story. We once said, Ben, did you know the gullible was, was written on the ceiling? And he looked. We were in a movie theater. We were in a movie theater. <laughs> I don't know if that makes it more believable it would be there or less. 
Anyway, ben. all right, Ben, how was your week? How was your week? <laughs> sorry, just recovering from that traumatic experience. I'm sorry, right. we weren't trying to tarnish your time here. Oh, you sneaky mother <sighs> effer. Bye, that's my time. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a good one. So, let's be real. The only thing I did this week was just play Elden Ring. This was the first time in a long time where almost every single night where I came home from work, I played Elden Ring. Um, I streamed it on um, Tuesday morning and Saturday morning, which is actually going to be my new Twitch schedule for a little bit. See, let's see how that goes. You crazy. Yeah, well, that's the only time I could record, I could stream. So, dude, I get it. I'm just saying you're crazy. I, I know I'm crazy. <laughs> Thankfully, I have friends in other time zones who will hopefully watch me. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Besides that, um, I can't really say a whole lot about Eldering without this, without this podcast going like two hours longer. Um, the game is fantastic. It deserves all the praise it's getting. I'm gonna write a piece for Fusion about it, and. Um, we did some really fun stuff. Like I was playing with uh, Sparks and Ryan Thursday afternoon, right before I had to go to work. And I was even thinking about it before I went to bed. I was like, I shouldn't, but I really want to just like, you know, go <coughs> and just play out in the ring with my friends all day. Cause both of them had the days off. Ryan and I did not encourage that. Not even a little. Yeah, totally. You totally weren't on our, uh, we weren't on voice chat. And I, of course I did just wake up like 20 minutes prior. So when Sparks goes, Hey Ben, you sound kind of sick. My dumbass brain goes into, Oh yeah, I just woke up. That's why I sound a little raspier that, than usual. And I want to, I want to give him the credit. That was Ryan. Oh, that was Ryan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Ryan says, Hey Ben, I think you sound sick. And I'm like, Oh no, I just woke up. That's just how my voice sounds before. I, and then I, I was like, no, Ben, I'm pretty sure you're sick. <laughs> And of course, the second spark say and it clicked. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, and I wanted to so, so bad. Um, I played some more. I played way too late with Ryan last night, and I still had to watch the Adam Project afterwards, which is exactly <laughs> what I did. And my dumbass forgot about the times jump because yeah, as we're recording this. It's daylight savings time where we move our clocks forward. If you're watching this and you're in a different country, America's stupid. We have this thing called daylight savings time where we push our clocks back and forward. Twice Other countries a year. have it. Other countries oh, have it. They do? Okay. Well, okay. if you're a country that doesn't have it, that's what it is. And this was the time of year where we move our clocks forward an hour. So at 2 a.m. this morning, our clocks instantly went from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. And my dumbass was playing with Ryan. I think, oh, it's only 2 a.m. I can still have time to watch the Adam Project and get a decent amount of sleep. No, because it instantly turned to 3 a.m. and we stopped playing at 3.45. I stopped playing Elden Ring because I was playing by myself and went to bed pretty much at the time change so when it flipped over to three three o'clock i was like all right i'm done and i come up and i can hear them playing from ryan's room and i'm like they don't know <laughs> they don't know they just lost an hour <laughs> nope. no we did not know so yes eldering is amazing i'm definitely gonna play some more once we're done recording today sparks you're welcome to join so brandon any news on getting your copy yet you guys want to go play knockout city with me eldering we'll see no. we'll see I, I, I haven't been bought by either team yet. Uh, I'm, I'm open to the bids. Um, <laughs> is that is that all of it, Ben? Uh, like the only other piece of media that I in, that I um, enjoyed outside of Eleanor Ring and outside the things we're talking about for the show today was I went and got McDonald's and came home and watched one episode of South Park with Fanny. That was it. Nice. Uh, I respect it. Uh, I'll take I'll take over from that and just talk a little bit about Elden Ring as well. I am uh, almost 16 hours deep, and I have yet to fight the first major boss. Oh, I beat the first major boss. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going all over the map and finding new things and just being like, "Ooh, this is fun." And Wait, are, we the moment... Mar- are we talking about Margaret or Godric? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Mar- Margaret. <laughs> Margaret. 
Yeah. Ooh. I still think haven't. <laughs> nope. I still haven't touched either of them. I I don't think I've honestly I don't think I've touched anybody very big. Oh, um, Jesus. Hey Ryan, yeah. Ryan, hello, sir. <laughs> Ryan jumps into the chat and yells, I'm drunk. Beautiful. Um, Love it. Uh, pretty much every time that I, I see a big boss, I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna go somewhere else <laughs> and go explore that map. I've been doing that. That's pretty much all I do in Elden Ring right now is go find new oh, places. I gotta tell uh, you one thing. So, do you remember when we, uh, when you, me, and Ryan found that gate in my game, where that's that scene gate next to the church, where it transports you to a different part of the map, not yes. the mythic chest, like the gate. Yeah, yeah. So, I went there. Yeah, while I was you Solo. Yeah. And I, when it, where it, I, was, I was thinking, okay, it's probably gonna pop me into a different part of the map that I already discovered. That's no. I go into this random place and I go. I see this giant ass castle and I'm like, Oh, I'm in danger. I turn my character around and I see the, and I see the back of a big ass iron skullum with yeah. wings and a freaking behemoth of a halberd axe. And I'm thinking I'm in danger. And yeah. I instantly bamf the F out of there. It's... Cause I'm like, there's no way in hell I can fight this thing. I, I did this too, because I, uh, I, I sent you there on purpose for that experience um, <laughs> because I'd already been there and I'd done that, which is like, Brandon, it's very good because you get teleported to a totally different place on the map. Mm -hmm. And when you get there, all that's in front of you is a castle. And you're like, oh, okay. And you turn the camera, you turn around, you see down the steps from the castle. And at the bottom of those steps is this gigantic figure. We're talking like Gurren Lagann, uh, <laughs> like gigantic figure with giant wings. And, and you're like, and he's facing away from you and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> oh no <laughs> and you're just like everything's fine till you turn that camera and you're like oh no thankfully i was able to bamf out of there and get go back to it and that the thing about that is that also showed me how truly large the map was i knew the map was big i didn't think it was that big because <laughs> i mean holy i didn't even unlock the northern because I, okay, I beat godric i go to the northern part of the of the map where the where Stormvale Castle is, that's a whole different freaking continent, and I'm just like, oh shit, this is a lot larger than I thought it was gonna be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, Brandon uh, Ryan says, uh, I, saw. Right. <laughs> "I saw, I <laughs> saw, maybe one day, maybe one uh, day." I continuing on with my week. I, I I have much more to say about Elden Ring at a later date in another place, yeah. another time. Okay, um, look. Okay, look real quickly. Look, it's in my cart. Ooh. I'm not gonna say I'm doing it. Don't tempt me, baby. Don't. I'm, and I'm not accepting money from you. I <laughs> not, know not you. Not for this, anyway. Not for this. I um, mean, I can help. No. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying I'm gonna play let it. Him, I'm just let saying, him get. Let him get look, drunk and do it on its own. I'm thinking. <laughs> look, I am considering. I at this point, I am considering it. I'm not saying I'm doing it. This is if a. You, this is a tasty, spicy meatball. Yeah, if there if there's one thing I do have to say about Elden Ring, Brandon, is that yes, it is hard, but the ability to play with friends makes it so much better and easier to get in and to grow your skills. Because yeah, there is like the community of like get good scrub, but there's also the element like the, the, us going into your game. We're we're scaled down, so it's not like we can just go and kill a big boss and you just hang back. You get to learn and you get to fight along with alongside us so i say elden ring <laughs> is definitely a a great game to go in live in the chat oh hey grayson hey buddy how's it going keep hearing the same thing but i'm considering it as well yeah get it it's 
it's very it's very narratively free and i appreciate that mm -hmm. uh anyway our, our friend marty just got it too um uh i watched an episode of batwoman and an episode of legends of tomorrow both of their seasons ended last week so i'm just trying to catch up i've got three left on both um because i want to get to that legends of tomorrow reveal i saw the uh, clip yeah i haven't watched the clip but i know i know it was a, all my dreams come true um <laughs> so uh i did uh just a few other things but i did them in uh i did two of them in very large amounts so um first i watched spongebob sponge on the run because i had a night where i was just feeling like a movie and i'm like you know i meant to watch that because i liked the second one a lot i was really impressed with it so i wanted to give the third one a shot and i'm really sad to report that the writing is nowhere near as sharp as oh. the second spongebob film um oh. it's not terrible it's not a waste of time but it's much more akin to pretty much what spongebob has become now rather than like what the second film was which is like a, a blast of comedic brilliance that i that suddenly flared up out of spongebob and i was like whoa this is really good uh the third one is not that mm -hmm. um the animation's really good even as i'm like don't really prefer that style of animation but the damning thing for the movie is that it feels like it all is just a big commercial for that spin-off show camp coral um because they do this they just they really create a ham-fisted story to shove in Camp Coral flashbacks uh, pretty much at the end of the movie. Mm. Like, there's mm. one before that, and then, like, most of them are at the end of the film in the third act. And, like, different all the different characters have them, and it's just kind of like, you're going to want to watch this show! And I'm like, I really don't, because you're not <laughs> making me want to. Um, there's good comedy. Keanu Reeves is excellent for his appearance, and um, they kind of do this really frustratingly stupid thing uh, where, like, Spongebob doesn't have to obey a lot of rules. Um, but the way that they go about facilitating just clearly wanting to do something with a bunch of different celebrities in live action with Spongebob all in the same place and having to take him out of water and then just make an excuse for why that happened and then move on is pretty poor, Sorry. even as I like the appearances. Um really a really a bummer um especially in comparison to like again i think the second film is like peak peak spongebob on film anyway mm -hmm. uh right. and I this just the... oh. i was gonna say this this just <laughs> didn't come even close to the first or the second i think i was gonna say like the peak time when a, a celebrity when it was like a live action celebrity was spongebob was david hasselhoff yeah. Where he just comes up and he's like, I'm David Hasselhoff. And then later he's like, we rode the Hasselhoff. Yeah, it, it really was sad because like I was I was truly surprised when I went to the theaters and saw the second one. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like as good as classic Spongebob. Like when Spongebob was was that new. was the Antonio Banderas one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That one's that one's really sharp, really smart, has a good emotional core, uh, handles its characters well. This was just not that. This felt just like a drawn out modern spongebob episode which is kind of like mm. yeah, it's too bad yeah it really bummed me out uh to be honest which is which is sucks because i did not watch it to get bummed out um yeah. the animation's pretty but i don't i don't have a lot of praise for it which i'm sad i'm sad yeah. about that uh i'll do this one first mobile suit gundam i think i've watched about 20 episodes since the last time we talked <laughs> i have watched many um 
a lot of people started dying. Uh, pretty much like right after the the last episode I'd watched the last time we talked a week ago, they started just killing on both sides characters that I really liked, <laughs> and I was like, oh no, oh no, war. <laughs> um, um, I think I know who. Let's see, because you're you're on Earth now, right? Oh yeah, I've been on Earth for a while. Um, uh, Miss Matilda. Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah, uh, Rumbo Rawl. Yep, he did. Uh, oh, he's a good one Rumb- too. He was a Zeon, but I, I like know. Him. I know. This is one of the things is that there's people on the bad guy side I love. They're great uh, characters. Did you get to there's... Belfast yet or no? Um, Belfast. Uh, is that a place or a person? That's a place. Like Bel- like Belfast is a, has a um a uh, federation. It's base. not a place. It's a people. <laughs> uh, it's a it's the federation. What I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm at the point where um they were having to leave uh South America or go to South America for, like, a major assault, but White Base went into space to distract Char. That's where I'm at. Okay, okay. We've yeah. met so, we've met Matilda's fiancé. There's a new dude on the ship who fires cannons. Um, I, I, I only want to highlight a couple of things, which is that um, I still love that uh, there's a lot of questioning of, like, who's really right on what side of the war. Um, the Federation does a lot of shady crap. And so do the Zeons, and the Z and you have Zeon soldiers who like not only, uh, uh, kind of show regret for even having to be involved in the war, but admire some of the Federation soldiers that we're watching, especially the young ones and what they're going through. There's one where they put a bunch of bombs on Gundam trying to blow it up, and they just watch as uh, the pilot Amuro, who's so young, goes and disarms all of the bombs by himself. And they're just so impressed that they drive up as civilians to tell them to like keep up the good fight. Uh, and I just love that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is this is so good. <laughs> um, I I do think the show's helped a lot by a very modern sound design uh, for this dubbing. I think that really helps because it sounds like a modern show, even if it doesn't look like a modern show by any means. Um, I really really thought I'd. I was about to go over the deep end on Amuro because he does one of the dumbest things. And it's still one of the dumbest things he ever could do, but this is like the turning point for his character, which is that he kind of hits a wall and he decides he's going to desert, which uh, to me makes sense. I'm like, that that's logical with the situation he's been in, the character he is, and the characters that are around him, he wants to desert. But he takes the Gundam. And so he just leaves them defenseless. And I'm like, this is so stupid, Amuro. I'm so mad. Um, and then he acts like everybody's being butt hurt for coming after him, being like, dude, give us back the Gundam. What are you doing? And he's like, oh, you just want the Gundam. That's all you care about. And they're like, yeah, it's our most valuable weapon. It's the most powerful mobile suit in the Federation fleet. Of course, they freaking want it back. God, so he can be such a child, but like the 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 whole and it is cool, like the way it comes about. The whole like battle with Rombo Rawl, the ultimate conflict there is is a big turning point for Amuro. Of course, Ryu, and I'm not going to say much more than that, but Ryu. Um, but the one that got me, the one that like made me like like freeze as I was watching because I just wasn't prepared for it. Is there's a girl named Miharu. And Miharu has two siblings. They're, they are all orphaned, and she's been trying to take care of them. And the way she takes care of them is by taking money from Xeon forces to be a spy. Just all she's doing is spying out of a harbor and letting them know when Federation forces come nearby. That's Belfast. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Belfast. And, um, and she 
gets told by Char to go sneak onto White Base so she can be a, a more proper spy for them. And she does so. And while she's on it, she finds out that there are like children and refugees on the ship. And she immediately is upset that she's involved in like helping take these people down. So she decides to help the in fight back against the Zeons. She's a civilian. And so she ends up on a ship uh, trying to help them fight the Zeon forces. And the launchers aren't working on their missiles, so she has to go down and manually operate it. And the guy piloting the ship, Kai, is like, there's a process. If you don't know the process, you could get hurt. And she's like, it'll be fine. And so she launches the missiles manually. But because she's a civilian, she doesn't know that the exhaust from the missiles is going to be a really strong force and blow her out of the plane and knock her unconscious. And she falls into the Atlantic Ocean and drowns. And I was like, holy shit. Uh, and it was it was a really well animated part of this very old cartoon. And um, that got me. I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah. It's a good um, it's a really good dramatic point in, in the series. Yeah, just wait till you meet Lala. That's gonna hurt. Uh it, I'm I'm here for it. It's all about like I really like it. It's it's really messy but on both sides, and I love it. But so the South America mission—that's the—that's the attack on Jaburo. That's the Federation base in South America. That's a big fight. Yeah, we're. If you, we're Odessa, if you thought Odessa was bad, that's worse. I didn't think Odessa was as bad as as some things that have happened since Odessa. <laughs> um, anyway, the other thing I did is uh, I finished my rewatch of season one of Lock and Key with Megan. Yes. And then from yesterday to day, today, we watched all of season two. <laughs> that should tell you a lot. Uh, season two is really good, guys. Um, I won't spoil anything. Uh, I think that the setup for season three is incredibly exciting. Um, I'm really glad we're going to get it. I hope that people do watch the show. I'm glad that we're getting season three either way. I kind of hope that that's it because I don't want this show to end up unfinished. Sure. Um, but I really, really like it. I, I think season two, they did a great job, especially when you consider all the COVID conditions they had to work around, um, which I think is is a little obvious with some cast members. Um, either just like the lack of use of them, mm -hmm. uh, just because they probably wanted to cut down on the number of people at times. Um, but I think like the seasons go hand in hand so well. The characters are all the more enhanced. The story is great. Um, I just really loved it. I loved it from top to bottom. I had a great time. Real quickly, you talked about you're talking about COVID restrictions, and Star Trek Discovery has uh, Tick Nataro as the chief engineer of the Discovery, and she's brilliant. She's one of the best characters in the show, and she's been absent most of the season except for the 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 episode that aired last week, and then the, then this past episode, and I. It's the only, it's like my biggest tweet. Like that, that thing blew up. That thing did numbers. I got like 140, 154 likes, which is huge for me, but like no new followers. So, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, apparently it's because of COVID. She was, she didn't want to make the trip because of COVID. And right. I was I totally respect that, but man, you're missed. Right. Um, yeah, you can definitely, you can definitely pick up on some of that going on in Lock and Key. Um, they introduced some new characters who I think are really good. Uh, I think the actors are all doing a great job. Um, it's so hard to talk about without like giving anything away. I think that the, the fallout from season one is paid off so well over the entire course of season two in different respects and, and all throughout. Uh, I think they made excellent choices with so many things. Um, yeah, I just... 
I highly recommend like if you like season one, go back, do season two. Um, it's it's really worth it. I definitely recommend a refresher on season one to have certain things back in your brain. Uh, but really, really great. Really nice. loved it. That's awesome. I'm re- I really got to go through that. I I was really really happy, really really happy with Lock and Key season two. All right, well my turn, I guess. Um, I didn't do a whole lot. I did. Um, I watched Cooler's Revenge, Dragon Ball Z oh, Cooler's yeah. Revenge. Oh yeah. That's a. That was a lot better when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still liked it. It's it's still a lot of fun. Cooler is a very cool villain, though. No pun intended. And I think that helps the movie a lot because he is the. He is the the coolest villain up until this point in the Dragon Ball, at least the Dragon Ball Z movies, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think that 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 helped a lot. But there is a sense that it does kind of redo the Frieza saga just in kind of a lesser scale. Like we still get the 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 Goku turning Super Saiyan moment. And they do try to be like, oh, this was just like when he turned Super Saiyan and Frieza. It's like. OK, I guess. Um, it does have a really beautiful moment though that I really like. It's he never does it again, but like Goku is like really upset at the animals being hurt, and you never see this in the show. And then he like revives with the Super Saiyan power a bird. I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Uh, one of my favorite Super Saiyan transformations because of of the way that Goku channels his rage in that scene. Yeah. Um, I I think that what puts Cooler a little bit up is that it's definitely the best I think of the Dragon of all the films up to that point. Yes, uh, and I true. think that's not just because of the villain. It's also like his gang is better. They're more mm-hmm. interesting. They feel like actual characters. Uh, uh, Sal- Salsa. Is I think that, so. Is that his name? The one who like makes the the light blade with only one shoulder. Uh, the French guy, right? I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Who fights uh, Piccolo and Piccolo does like the arm stuff through the trees. All that sequence yeah. is like that's good shit. You know, it's good shit because I haven't seen that movie in like over a decade, and <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> so like, that's that's good shit. Um, yeah, I think I think Cooler's Revenge is is a good good notch up for the dragon ball z films and i think it's only it's only really you got you got a pretty good run but from six to uh to eight uh five to eight yeah and then that's that's kind of it <laughs> can't wait uh that it's it doesn't really hit those highs again <laughs> i think that's kind that. of where i dropped off because i i haven't seen a lot i have the reason why i'm doing this just to refresh the audience's memory. Like, I have not seen the later Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z films. Yeah. Um. So like Super Androids, whatever the hell, and uh, Bio Broly. I haven't seen any of those. Super Android thirteen. Maybe. That's, Bojack. Um, I haven't seen Bojack. Yeah. Super Android thirteen's number seven. Oh yeah. Did you say seventy? Seven. Seven. Okay. I'd be a little freaked out. There are seventy androids. Um. 70 movies been oh 70 movies damn not yet we're getting we'll get there someday probably um yeah i i really i do really enjoy it like 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 uh, spark said the action sequences are are very cool uh the the piccolo once piccolo shows up it's really cool because goku is out of the action for a lot of it because they're trying to get the senzu beans to him because he's been pretty beaten <clears throat> um and when piccolo shows up that, that a lot of cool action with him he takes out two of them it's really cool um and the, the the fourth transformation, hey, look, you know, no shade to Gold and Frieza, but like that's just Frieza, but Gold. It was really yeah. cool when the fourth transformation was like a monster. Yes, uh, a monster with a with a mask that comes from his body yeah. to protect his mouth. Love it. That was really cool. It's it's uh, good. It's good. 
Uh, I kind of wish we saw Frieza in that form. It's it's a really menacing look. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope I hope Toriyama makes cooler canon. I I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Probably. I'm not going to say that ship has completely sailed, but it's definitely like getting its last docking strategies on the way to head out for the horizon. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, I finished the after party. Nice. Yeah. I watched the last yeah. four of the after party. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent show. Uh, Sparks has said a lot about it over the past couple weeks. The, uh, reveal. Perfect. The way they, the way the whole, the whole story unfolded, who ended up, who it ended up being great. I'm really happy that that actor got to play that role. Uh, especially knowing what happened to them uh, and how and how awesome. Great characters, great dynamics. I'm re- very excited for season two. Bring on my Tiffany Haddish um, uh, murder mystery franchise. Uh, you see now who I'm talking about who could come yes. back. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, but, yeah. That, that last comedy note, hey, can you take me home? <laughs> Walt. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I thought that was so good. I was like, man, they really... That was a great button on the show. Um, and you're totally right. Like, there's an episode that is, you know, it's all focused on different characters except for one. One is focused on. I don't think this is too much to spoil. One, one is focused on her um, and her story, and totally see, totally like, absolutely see how they they knew it. They knew like, if this works, this is around her. She's going to other places and solving yeah. other murders. Right. Yeah. The moment that episode hits, you're like, okay, so we're gonna move the show on with. She's our she's our Poirot, yeah. As it were, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, really cool show. Highly recommend for anybody who hasn't watched it. I, fi- I finally watched something on on Apple TV Plus. So you know, hey, what, a hit. I, what a hit! Right, right. You know what? Apple TV Plus apparently has some really good stuff, and I don't, we just not, none of us are watching it. I I believe that because like I've heard good things about a few others on there. I'm, I really wanted to watch Severance, man. I really wanted to watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, I keep hearing about that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also the only I only read one comic book. Um, I'm so far behind in my comics, and I'm I'm really struggling to to get in the mood to read them. Um, but I I do try. And the first issue of Gwenverse dropped. Um, the full title is Spider Spider Gwen Gwenverse. Um, the first issue dropped, and I was curious because like I really like Spider Gwen as I've said before. She's my favorite of the spiders. Um, I really like her world Earth sixty five. The last time I saw her was during the um, Absolute Carnage uh, tie-in, with they did like the Gwenum versus uh, versus MJ MJarnage MJarnage. Um, Jesus Christ! Which was really fun. It was really cool to have like her, Earth sixty five Gwen Stacy versus Earth sixty five Mary Jane Watson because they're friends and they've been having some issues and kind of have that heightened by symbiote shenanigans. But that was the last time I saw anything about this universe. It wasn't even on this universe. It was on 616. Um, and now we go back to Gwenverse, and it looks like what I was worried about, which was that the the plot line of the Storms, uh, Sue and Johnny, having uh, banished her from her, t- from her timeline, is just dropped. They're not going to address that anymore, and I'm bummed about that because I like that. I don't want to see that go somewhere. Um, but the setup of how all the different Gwens from the different... From different it's not different universes. What happens is she gets she's traveling through two six one six from sixty five, and then something happens in the in the far future in her far future that splinters her into different points of her timeline. <clears throat> so she becomes different characters 
in her timeline. She, she has to go back through time and, and try and figure out what's going on and merge back together with her. I actually really liked it. It was a lot of fun. Cool. It's kind of a kind of a dumb premise, but you know, it was fun. And that's really all you can count on. It's a fun comic. Right. Um and then uh, we watched the Battlestar Galactica. Uh Baltar tried to tell a silence centurion about God and that almost blew up in his face. Don't don't do that. Silent centurions are they they're a little trigger happy. You don't want to tell them that they're actually slaves because they'll they'll kill you. Um, I I believe you. Yeah, you should. Good. Um, but the final thing I want to talk about is I went to a bar this week. <laughs> I'm going to do a little show and tell like Ben normally does. I'm wearing a t-shirt for Ten yeah. Forward. Star Trek Picard. Um, when the first episode opened, um, we are introduced to Whoopi Goldberg, who plays Guinan. Um, she returns as that character from Next Generation. Uh, she has opened a bar in Los Angeles called Ten Forward, which is named after the bar that she owned on the Enterprise. And uh, they opened that bar in downtown L.A. Well, actually, City of Industry, but if you're not part of L.A., that doesn't make sense. It's where? Industry. City of Industry. Oh, that's so close to me. Why did you tell me you were close to town? I could have come see, see you and say hi. I don't know how geography works. <laughs> it's an hour away from me in the other direction. How am I supposed to know that it's so close to you? Um, anyway, um, if you, if you are in LA, I highly recommend this, especially if you're a Star Trek fan, it's not that expensive. And I think it's still here towards the end of the month. I'm not hundred percent sure. Check the tickets. Um, what they did was they kind of modeled it after, uh, the bar. So inside it's, it looks exactly like the bar from Star Trek Picard and they've got, uh, Guinan props and they've got pictures up of different episodes of Star Trek Next Generation that have Picard and Guinan. The bar looks exactly like it does, like the actual like place, like the where you order the drinks. Um, and they have merch. Obviously, I bought a T-shirt. Um, it's it was so cool. It was just so cool. I felt like I felt like I walked into the year 2401, which is when the which is when the the, se- the season takes place. Um, there were cosplayers, people who dressed up as like Starfleet officers that went that went there. That was really cool. That was I only wore this badge. Um, I'm wearing my Star Trek badge for the audio listeners. Um, and they, and they had like a Zara and I could not take our eyes off of this run, of this, off of this one Romulan girl. Um, and it was just really cool. The service was really fast that you were allowed two drinks per person, uh, with the, with the price of the ticket and the limited food. And, uh, so like I, they had a Chateau Picard, which is Picard's vineyard. Uh, that, that is real. They've made that. They've merchandise that they've made that you could you could purchase that i had that it's fine um but then you can have like earl gray gin uh uh romulan ale which is a vodka cocktail which i actually really like i'm not big on vodka but i really liked that Ooh, sounds good um zara had all three drinks by the end of the night it was very drunk when we got home <laughs> um but it was so much fun and I'm so happy I did it. And, and I'm so glad they did it. I'm so glad they put that thing on. There were some pictures, some photo ops, some pictures. I'll take it. I'll put them up on my Instagram this week. Um, if you're a Star Trek fan and you're in Los Angeles, like I highly recommend it. it's so much fun. Um, just a bunch of like-minded people going to a bar set that's set in their favorite franchise. Like you feel like you're in Star Trek. It was awesome. It was that's awesome. great. I'm happy for you. And that's that's my week. Let's 
go into our news then. All right. Um, I I bought some other merchandise. I bought a star a stargazer poster. Put it up somewhere. Okay. We got some sad news up top though. Yeah, we do. So first up, Laurel Goodwin, who played Yeoman J.M. Colt in the original Star Trek pilot, The Cage. Um, for those of you who don't know, The Cage is where Captain Pike comes from. Uh, he's got a show coming up. If you hadn't heard. The reason why I put this on, she passed away at the age of 79. She was the last surviving credited performer of that episode. Mm. She's obviously not the last surviving performer of the episode because George Takei was in that episode briefly. He was not credited, however. Um, but that's kind of a sobering reality that like a lot of that cast from that original pilot is is, is gone now. Sure. And that, that sucks. She retired from acting about 35 years ago and was like a, a nurse. Cool. Mm. Emilio Delgado, who played Luis Rodriguez on Sesame Street, passed away at the age of 81. Mm-hmm this week and finally William Hurt who played obviously Marvel fans will know him best as General Thaddeus Ross right. from the Incredible Hulk Civil War he passed away just today at 71 years old yeah that sucks that's a big bummer I really liked him yeah me too there's a lot of people that wanted to see him become uh, that Red Hulk uh, I suspect that will be forever off the table at this point. Um, yeah, that's a that's obviously like he has a bigger career than just Ross, but like mm-hmm. that's obviously been a staple. Um, really talented. Um, I've liked him in pretty much everything I've ever seen him do. Um, I think it's a big bummer that there's that. Um, for those who have watched it, there's that original deleted scene that was supposed to be like part of the ending of black widow where he's talking to natasha when she's in the back of the car and he's like making a comment about why she does what she does essentially and i'm disappointed that is not the button he's he got to go out on with ross yeah uh, officially because like it's a way better character moment than what they gave him in the end we don't know if he's in she hulk right no i don't think we do which he could be and that that'd be cool but we have no idea if he was, day. he would have already filmed it by now. Right. Um, he did seem like it was he was getting there was something wrong. Like Black Widow for some reason has him with a cane, and I know they like wrote it off, but it always seemed weird to me that he looked so sickly in Black Widow and not healthy. Right. Um and I wonder if that had something to do with it. Like he was he getting sicker as he was starting to get older. Could be, and we don't have a an, uh, anything for cause of death beyond natural causes, so Yeah. Um, I was a big fan. Uh, I, I really like the, the the book Moby Dick. Um, I've seen uh, two of the adaptations that have been done. I haven't seen the Patrick Stewart one yet. Um, but he did one. He did a miniseries with Ethan Hawke um, right. and Pippin from uh, Lord, the Hawks, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I forgot the actor's name. Um, but he plays Captain Ahab in that, and I thought he was incredible. He's my favorite Captain Ahab uh, because of that. Uh, that miniseries is is awesome, and he's very good in it. And obviously, he's done a, a ton of a ton of work, and I was a big fan of his. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's a big bummer. And part of like, you know, uh, I I know you wrote about it, so 
like uh but part of the the scene that i know because you and i were in the theaters where like yeah seeing sam jackson was cool but seeing the incredible hulk a couple months later and robert Downey jr walk in to have a discussion with william hurt that cemented oh shit yeah oh shit something's coming these things Uh, are in the same world oh shit that was yeah obviously like I wrote about it, which is crazy that I wrote about that moment. And this happened a couple days later. Um, uh, yeah, I just, it's such an influential and important moment that he's a part of, and he'll always be a part of. And thank goodness they were able to bring him back for civil war so that uh, his performance in the incredible Hulk will never be forgotten. Right. Cause I think he's great as, as a uh, general. Oh Rock, yeah. I think Hulk. he was, I think he was a great, great casting choice for that role. Yeah. Even though like, I wish that they could have gotten to do more with him somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we got what we got, but yeah. the, the end where he's trying to save his daughter before the, before Hulk like smacks the, oh, the yeah, fire yeah. away. Uh-huh. Such good, good. He's, he's a really good actor. <laughs> I miss him yeah. already. All right. Uh, let's move on then to some Disney controversy. Yeah. But those of you who don't know, I wrote a lot about this just for this. Um, now those of you who don't know, there's currently a bill in Florida um, that's been labeled the Don't Say Gay Bill. The legislation essentially would ban teachers from dis- uh, discussing LGBTQ topics like sexual orientation or gender identity with students until after third grade. Doesn't sound great, does it? Um, I'm going to read some of this, some of this stuff. This is a quote that I, that I saw. Um, the Walt Disney Company contributed just under... This is kind of why we're talking about this. So it was found out that the Walt Disney Company contributed just under $200,000 to the Florida Republicans behind HB 1557, which is the, the bill, Don't Say Gay. Obviously, it's not called Don't Say Gay. <laughs> um, uh, this is a relevant quote from The Hollywood Reporter that I saw. Uh, Chapek, who is the current head of Disney, current CEO of Disney, took over from Iger. Chapek is private about his politics, but is believed to be much more conservative than Iger, who was a registered Democrat before becoming an independent in 16. I didn't know that. I thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I always assumed Iger was more conservative than he let on. Mm. Um, Chapek is staunchly opposed to bringing Disney into issues he deems irrelevant to the company and its business. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what, what uh, a source for The Hollywood Reporter has said. Basically, what that means is Iger was more willing to take a stand on things like this. In fact, he had. He has taken a stand on things like this before. Right. Um, the George Floyd murder, he he like, he was out there. Even on this bill, he has tweeted at the president. He's no longer involved in in uh, uh, decisions made at Disney. He left in, in December. Um, and he has been talking about, he's been opposed to this bill as well. Um, so Chapek has taken a narrower view and has been concerned that Disney might be viewed as too liberal. Oops. <laughs> um, and so this is kind of where we're coming. This is kind of to catch everyone up. This has been a lot of, there's been a lot of back and forth. Um, so at first, Chapek said he wouldn't do anything, so, but tried to inspire. Go ahead. Real quick before you get into that. So like, yeah. this isn't new. Uh, yeah. We know that Disney has put money into the pockets of politicians on both sides of the aisle before we found out about this and like a, a decent amount of times it's people who we don't like but like this is this is not a new development yeah this you know this was disappointing but it wasn't new or not unheard of yeah so people were like yeah i'm disappointed that disney contributes money to those politicians that would have been the end of it 
we would have been like, yeah, we're disappointed. And we would have probably moved on to focus on like Disney's not the the thing we're going to focus on as a problem here. We're going to focus on the the problem of the bill itself, uh, as it usually goes. But JPEG had felt compelled to send out an email company wide to all Disney employees, of which I will admit I am one, and I got this. And did you? It was a, I was oh curious. yeah, oh yeah, I did. Uh, and I and I was disappointed. Uh, you may continue. Uh, well, actually, why don't you say what the email said because you got it. Uh, love uh, so, so like the the part that everyone has focused on is is essentially that JPEG said that you know kind of a lot of what I was just echoing, which is, yeah, we give money to politicians. We give money to politicians on both sides. Like, you know, we're, we're not a politically aligned company. Uh, it's not our place to get involved in things like this. What we find more important is like, you know, while we, we respect and care about our LGBT community, the best thing we could do for them is create stories that will inspire them and, and help push for a world that involves them. And it was specifically the dialogue about that, about him saying, push to like the, the only thing we're really going to do as a company essentially is just try to make stories that will inspire a better world for those communities people of yeah. those communities and yet they keep canceling the shows that are also really really well, good and have those so, storylines in them well that's that's the point so, that's the reason why chapek kind of stepped into it because all the people who work in the company who are part of that community said but that's not what you're doing Right, uh, the, the uh, girl who runs the Owl House, she yeah, she Tears. she came out and said something and did like yep. a charity stream. She was really upset when she got the email. A lot of people were, um, yes, and uh, and it, it's important to put into perspective as we're about to go forward on this. This is it, it's it's all unfortunate how this is that this this uh, money going into the politicians' pockets for uh, people who are pushing forward this. Don't say guilt gay bill of florida is already like oh that's disappointing that disney as a company does it but the problem with chapek and the company's response to it when the lgbt community is asking for something to change specifically with that is that disney has such monumental business within florida this yeah. is a huge huge chunk of their employee base that is saying this is directly affecting us mm -hmm. these are our kids that are being affected by this bill and Disney kind of going, oh well, uh, right. was uh, was upsetting. So I um I wrote a I wrote a quick little thing where it's like you know we want to inspire because they said he said I want to inspire the masses with our inspiring content or whatever and like I was like oh yeah so like the 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 five second gay kiss that you can easily cut out in Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker totally inspiring. Um, the other thing is that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things like Ben was saying where like Love Victor was pushed to hulu because like how it could not be associated with our disney plus brand it can't be associated Liz with disney lizzie yeah. mcguire show mcguire. yeah and uh, yeah. like we said like we mentioned earlier the owl house which has a pro gay couple it's not subtext it's text like spark said that one a, time a bisexual protagonist yeah bisexual protagonist in a in a relationship with another right. girl so, so, such a, so such inspiring content that they keep that they make sure that can be not associated with them. If they, which, if they, if which it's, it's been widely reported. The Owl House was canceled because one executive at Disney didn't like it, but wouldn't go further on explaining why they didn't like it. I wonder which one. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Well, anyway, so um, before we get into kind of what's kind of the the aftermath of this is that this has <clears> happened. <throat> um, there was a lot of. 
people talking about JPEG and Investor Day, um, where he uh, was being kind of berated by both sides talking about this because he really stepped in it. Um, and one thing that I wanted to highlight is that Pixar, who are so fed up with Disney that they even took a stand. Right. Uh, Pixar's took, uh, Pixar demanded that they do more, essentially. They're like, we can't just be doing this inspiring content thing because you keep taking out all our overtly uh, homosexual or LGBTQ uh, whatever uh, uh, text from all of our films. Right. So Pixar threw Disney once again under the bus. Right. And, and admittedly, I think they were right to. Uh, yeah, uh, I do too. Um, it's really not going to go into like where I work and that kind of thing. But like, I know that's such a large part of the Disney employee base and it's only growing. That community is LGBTQ. Either uh, they are part of that community or they're, they are an ally of that community. Um, that is most of that employee base. Yeah. So it's really, really upsetting to act like the company is not fueled by those people. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that I was talking to Zara about where it's like, you know, the buck stops at Disney. Like, JPEG <laughs> is it. That's it. That's the end of it. With Universal, like, if it came out that NBC or Comcast or whoever the hell owns Universal at this point was giving money to this pe- these people, who probably they are because a lot of executives are really conservative – that's not on Universal. Universal can't do anything about it because they're owned by somebody. Right. They can. They their executives can try to fight back through content or through their their own policies. But they they they. But the but Disney's not like that. Disney is not owned by another company. Disney owns everything. Right. And so it is very. It's a very different situation <clears throat> that Disney is a part of. The other thing is a lot of those people are inspired because, um, there was a really prominent uh, gay animator at Disney through the nineties. Right. Who animated some incredible characters that people have related to over the years? Beauty and the right. Beast, Scar, um, Ursula, Ursula. God, who yes. else? Just um. Anyway, all this is a lot to say. I, to... I know. I know the next thing you're getting to, and it's the yeah. it's to me the 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 big thing. Right. That, so that all... like the moment it happened, it blew my mind. So all this is to say that basically Disney said we're going to pledge five million dollars to the human rights Associ- to the human rights human rights campaign AHRC, five million dollars, not even a full budget of a movie. Trying trying to make up for this was this was so clearly the like we throw some money at a donation and everybody accepts that like you know we're doing something we're not yeah. just putting words out we're doing something. Except yeah, HRC rejected the donation. Oh, flat out said do better. Yeah. Uh, and would not take the five million until they do, and that was big. Yeah, that was I never huge, saw that happen before. Huge. Uh, that was that was a big middle finger. It's like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah, basically, that was that was you don't get off this easy. And and absolutely right because <clears throat> the thing is, if Chapek hadn't sent that email, none of this would be happening. Nope. Right. Um, and, and they said they rejected the donation because they're like, you know, you need to take meaningful action in this. Well, JPEG's meaningful action seems to be that he has stopped all donations to both parties in Florida. So no, no political donations in Florida. Right. And he says that they're bringing, they're bringing a team to reassess how they do donations, what they do. And to the credit, I will say there has been a surge uh, for our companies, for the company's website um, that we access, 
of uh, seminars to engage with conversations about LGBTQ representative, to create a space for talking about specifically being upset about this right now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad they're doing that. I'm really glad that there are a lot of people who work at Disney who are not worried, <clears throat> are not afraid to. People quit over this. People people were not afraid to st to stand up to to this to this thing. People who work there, people whose lives depend on this, right? Uh, on this company, they took a stand. I'm really happy to see that because the thing is, at this point, I'm sorry, Chapek, all eyes are on you. Yeah, uh, it's it's I'm it's it's not enough, frankly. Like what what Chapek is doing right now is not enough, but it's also more than I ever thought I'd see. Yeah. Uh, like I, I'm so impressed that we got to this level. Um, the, I don't know that the correct, I mean, I do, I, I personally, I personally think that the correct response is no political donations by executives of companies. I think that is a very wise thing. Um, but the fact that like, it's only being done in Florida, like there's a lot that they need to reanalyze. And I hope that that comes out and I hope this pressure kind of stays on. And I hope that real change comes from this, uh, hmm. because Disney is supposed to be a beacon for our future, specifically for our kids, of what the future can be. And if they're not taking an active role in standing up for the content that the people who work for their company want to create to help inspire, as Chapek is saying, if they're not doing it, which they're not, we need to make them. Yeah. Um, there was also <clears throat> a uh, Iger... So there was something happening in Georgia. Um, and obviously Disney films a lot in Georgia, especially Marvel. Uh, Iger took a stand uh, when he was the C C CEO and said, like, <coughs> if, this, if a specific legislation, uh, forgive me, I don't have it in front of me, but like if a specific legislation goes through, uh, we will no longer film in Georgia. Right. This was a big thing. A lot of places were threatening this with Georgia. I, I also forget exactly what that was right now. I want to say it was the voting, oh, voting rights bill. I want to say it was the voting rights bill. Too. Yeah, me too. But I think because because <clears throat> you know, it's also it made me remember last year because last year um, the the also the baseball all star game was supposed to be in Atlanta where the Braves play, but they moved it from Atlanta to Colorado because um, the state because essentially like MLB baseball said we're not going to have the all star game in Georgia if you don't do if you pull this vote it. Either way, either way, Ben. Yeah. Either way, the the bill um, is currently being contested in court. Um, so that's oh, why they... it was the abortion law. The abortion law. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, that bill is being contested in court at the moment, and so like that's why nothing has changed. But the fact that Iger was willing to make that statement, make that pull, shows a lot about his character. And Iger was very much willing to. Obviously, he had to toe the toe the toe the company line, <clears throat> and he he was probably a lot more conservative than uh, he wanted his public persona to be. Um, cause he was very much like a, a, he was very much current. He's looking very good at this point specifically because JPEX put his, put his foot in his mouth so badly. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, just kind of skipped my points. Like JPEX is really dropping the ball all over at Disney. He, he is making a lot of the wrong choices. Oh yeah. I agree. I mean, I, oh, I agree. Right. who knows? <laughs> Sparks witty. Do you know? Look, my business daddy and I don't get along. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I hope this leads to meaningful change. I do. Yeah, me too. Uh, this was it, that HRC move. Um, I think that will embolden the fact that it did something. Uh, I think that will embolden people to put the pressure back when they when they get that and be like, no, 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 you do you do more. Yeah. 
It's the thing is like it's not it's not good right that right now for LGBTQ people. No, it's not. Uh, it's it's not good for a lot of people, but no, it's definitely not good for LGBTQ. But people. you just had this week, J.K. Rowling did more oh, yeah, this oh, week. Or she do. Or do I'm I not going to go into. It. I'm not going to go into it. But like she did something this week, and like the trans community is hurting. The fact that like this bill, this bill was said like you can, like Iger and the investor day meeting. The thing that had my blood boil. It's not Iger. Shapek. The thing that had my blood boil was the fact that he's like there's we have i've talked to the representatives there's no way that this bill could uh be used to attack these people and it's like yes it can yeah. yes it can well because that's that's also the that's the those representatives lines you yeah know? i i'm upset that chapek said that too but he's just parroting exactly what they would have said to him yeah. because that's what they're saying in the press they're saying there is no way that this could be used to attack you know this is this is just a a blanket policy of not saying this uh, in these forums, it's not saying like, oh, aggression should be amped up towards these people, which of course, like, yeah, if you're not reading the subtext of things, then sure. Yeah. It's just frustrating. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm glad we took the time to talk about it because it's an important thing. Uh, the, the moment that the HRC thing happened, I was like, we gotta talk about this. This is, <laughs> this is wild. Yeah. I've never seen a company be put on its back foot so hard. I've never uh, seen Disney get not, put on its back foot so yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over over something uh, related to like donations to politicians. Like yeah. I, I have not seen this kind of like backlash actually like push them back this far. Uh, I'm really happy to see it. Disney has a way of, pu- of pushing these sort of things under the under the under the rug and very successfully. Right. And this does not this does not happen this time. Right. And like. There's a lot, as Brandon brought up, there's a lot of other parties that need to be held accountable for the exact same kind of shit. But but Disney holds such a special place in the homes of, of so many families Yeah, that it definitely needs to at least start there. Yeah. Especially, again, with a company that is fueled by the work of that community. Mm-hmm. Be the change you want to see in the world. So it's, the, it's the easiest line to say in the world. All right, well, let's move on then. Sure. Ben is super excited because Super Nintendo World is opening next year. That's yeah. the news. Or is it? <laughs> For better. <laughs> yeah. I was watching two electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at Universal Studios recently. Well, not that recently, but last time I was there, I was able to see um, the the land. It looks yeah. pretty impressive what they're building over there. Did you Did you see Mario? No, they hadn't put him in yet. Well, damn. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was I saw a block. I saw a green block. Did yeah. you now? I did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, it was... Magic, magic being created every day, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to Universal Studios in in a essentially since the pandemic uh, started, but I am just stoked to go. I was hoping it was going to come out this year, but we got a um, we got a release date or we got an opening date, I should say, next year. That's fine. I'm just excited. And I'm just also excited because California's getting theirs. Because normally, if you look back at like all the stuff Orlando gets, and then we get after that, we never get stuff before Orlando. Orlando doesn't have the room right now. What's up? Orlando doesn't have the room right now. Dude, we don't have the room. Are you kidding me? No, we we just demolish a parking garage. We got the room. We just don't know how to use it. <laughs> Orlando, Orlando has has uh, all of their lands right now where this would go are very popular, so they can't yeah. like they can't demolish anything. We can yeah. demolish a lot. And put yeah. up something new. 
like we destroyed like we got rid of et to put in the mummy and then we got rid of terminator to put in Groot. we got rid of backdraft to put in uh, transformers. transformers yeah we all they tried to buy the they tried to buy the golf course so they can so they didn't have to demolish something to put in uh to you put in what? nintendo world I, I, so friend of the podcast jeff when he worked there he was like yeah they're thinking about trying to buy the golf course i'm like yeah do it build more stuff over there because they got rid of the gibson amphitheater to put in a uh, wizarding world yeah, I wonder what they, they they put in Secret Life of Pets something. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, they, they did. I don't know where the heck that is. But either way, Super Nintendo World 2023. I'm super excited. I cannot wait to go. It's a okay. goal. And uh, uh, Sparks. Yo. You like the Muppets? I, I like do. the Muppets. I do. You're correct. Do you like, what are they called? Electric Mayhem? I definitely do. Well, they're getting a TV show. No shit. The Muppets Mayhem has been announced for Disney Plus straight to series. Um, a new original Disney Plus series uh, starring Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, uh, which is going to be about them trying to finally record their first ever album. I'm really happy about this. I think this has a really unique potential to be a cool Muppets project. I didn't love the most recent Muppets uh, piece from Disney Plus. Not not the Haunted Mansion special, but the the show Muppets Now. Um, yeah. I thought that was I thought that was just kind of the YouTube stuff taking up a small notch. Um, and I and I I know what I really want, and what I really want is the Muppet Show again. I don't I don't know why we're not just doing the Muppet Show again. I I think That's it's been point. long. I think it's been long enough. We could do or Muppets Tonight, which was the the '90s revival of the Muppet Show. Like both of those, great. I don't don't quite know why we're not doing that. Yeah. Um, like everything everything is now about a show around the Muppets doing their show, but it's not a, it's not the Muppets doing their show. It's something happening around it, whether that's the Muppets on ABC, which I liked, I liked a lot actually, um, or the films or whatever, but like, Hey, I think, I'm, I think I'm sorry. Right, I think we're at the right time for just a Muppet show again, but um, that's just me, but I am still happy to see this. I'm glad they're doing something with the Muppets. Good. Lord. Yeah. I, I was, um, I was reminded this week of the uh, the sometimes I just drive around the golf uh, drive around the, the lot in the golf cart just to feel something or whatever, yeah. and yeah. then like Lawrence Fishburne, so, Lawrence Fishburne, Kermit, your show sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Away. It's just, my favorite bit of that is just is just Lawrence Fishburne. Hey Kermit, I'm really sorry. That was really rude of me. I, I just didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Oh really? What was wrong? I was watching your show. It sucked. <laughs> Drives I think, off. I, I remember think, that. I I think the Muppets. ABC show suffered from like not quite having its feet under it in the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. And I do think like the Miss Piggy Kermit drama was maybe a bit misguided the way they handled it. Yeah. But otherwise the bones of that show were very good and it did find its place. And I thought it got very, very funny. One, um, of, my, one of my favorite jokes was this, the, we have a, we have a, we have a colored t- system for when Miss for when Piggy is, is uh, angry. It's uh, red. She's crying. Orange. I'm crying. <laughs> Green. Get out of there. Yeah. It's very funny. I really like the, the, the water, Miss Piggy's water. <laughs> What was it? Uh, Thirty calories. It's water. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very good. It was very yeah. good. I, I I hope for the best with this. I really do. I think it's. I think it's a very different take for a Muppets show. So I have just been informed there's a high speed chase happening outside my building. Yeah, uh, that go is, to the TV. That is what the the noise. If you hear any sirens or helicopters, that is what that is. Okay, moving on. 
Moving Jessica on. Jones is getting a new comic book. Yeah. Series. Cool. Yeah, she is. The multiverse is in now, guys. Miles Morales, Gwen Stacy, and now Jessica Jones. Mm. Uh, the Variants will be a new series written by Gail Simone with art Hell by Phil yeah. Noto. Hell yeah. And basically the idea is that Jessica Jones is going to um, go across the multiverse and meet variants of herself. Obviously, mm. the variant terminology came from Loki, uh, but multiversal versions of her. So maybe some that had a far better life than her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um, I like this team, so I think this could be cool. Anything can be good. Anything can be good. Especially and... with Gail Simone and Phil Noto on it. True. <laughs> ben, you liked The Gentleman, correct? I didn't see The Gentleman. Oh, screw you. I, I liked The is... Gentleman. Did you watch The Gentleman? No. So this is just for me then. Ben, I thought you watched The Gentleman. I didn't see The Gentleman. You gotta watch. You guys should watch. Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman is getting an adaptation on Netflix. Cool. An adaptation Guy... or a continuation? That... They said adaptation might be a continuation, might not be. Guy Ritchie is directing the first two episodes, though. Interesting. So there you go. Straight to series. That's cool. I like that movie a whole lot. I'm really happy to see more from that universe. Moving on. Moving on. God of War. They announced this week that God of War is receiving a live-action adaptation on Amazon Prime. With The Rock. Oh, God. Kill oh, me. I hope not. Please, no. Please, no. He did Please, just no. recently say that he's about to be in another big blockbuster video game. I heard. I heard uh, that. He did. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like then that would have been announced with this. Yeah, yeah. probably. I don't think he... I, he couldn't do Kratos. Yes, he could. He wouldn't want to do Kratos as he should. That's true. But he could do it. <laughs> if he let himself, like, you know. Hey, you know, we don't know. It could be, like, his most heart- heartfelt, emotional performance we've ever seen. Question, I mean, I guess. Are we going from the very beginning of God of War? Or are we we going... don't know. Okay. If, it, if it's The Rock, then you're doing, you're doing the newer thing. Yeah. If, if it's anybody else, you probably start at least first season of those three games. Yeah. Not a lot of story there that you can really mine, but you could do all three in one season. Just, yeah, just, you probably could. Just Kratos murdering people. Yeah, and then the next season he gets a kid. <laughs> just, I feel yeah. like that stuff would be flashbacks. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you do the Norse stuff and you flashback to the Greek stuff. Like fighting, um, what's his face? Ares. Do we want a live action adaptation though? Like, wouldn't it be best serve as animation? You would think, especially with um, who's that voice actor, Christopher Judge? Christopher Judge played him in the new games, but he wasn't the original. Yeah, true, he wasn't the original one. Uh, I, I feel like like the scope of it is pretty is pretty like big that it would be better served for animation. But like I don't know, I guess they do they do some pretty impressive things for for I would say, live action. So here's my thought: I would say if you're doing the Norse stuff live action if you're doing the greek stuff go animation because there's because that anime because okay okay so live action giant hydras you got okay so live action live action a present day animation flashbacks Mm. deadly class okay that'd be nice you have a you have something on your mind i was trying to think about it like uh i think i think honestly i just i don't think i really want an adaptation yeah, yeah. I, I think I think God of War is one of those like if I if if we got an adaptation, I'd almost rather it was a story not a story from the games. Like Halo? 
yeah, I almost feel that way. Yeah. But I don't know what that story would be. You know, there's not prequel. a lot of not a lot of room for that. Yeah, but that's just you know, that's just his family getting killed, and I don't need that. No, I mean the prequel to the new <laughs> game. Oh, yeah, but like, mm, I don't know if I want that either. You know, yeah. uh, it, that that's the thing. Um, I I guess like you could tell a pretty a pretty good adaptation of of Kratos killing Zeus, but it's hard for me to it's hard for me to see. Yeah. I'm I was also I'm also a little trepidatious on this. I I just Sony not really batting a thousand right now. I feel like I feel like it has to be the Norse stuff for an adaptation because Kratos just has nothing to do as a character to bounce off of other than vengeance yeah. in the first three. Which is fine for a video game. But and it's screaming. not for a live action adaptation, especially because like he wouldn't have anybody with him. Yeah. yeah. And screaming. Lots of screaming. Yeah, I just I just think that like I don't know if I trust Sony to do these adaptations. Like Last Last of Us is not out yet, but like Ratchet and Clank and uh, Uncharted. I like Ratchet and Clank, but we're not we're not really doing some great stuff here yet. I think Last of Us will probably be good, but that's largely because that game was already structured like it could be a television show. Sure. So like kind of the whole thing is you felt like you were playing an HBO series. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the whole thing. So I, I, I have faith last of us will probably be pretty good. Mm. Um, but I, but I agree like God of War just isn't something. It's just not something I think I want the adaptation for. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. Uh, Ryan, uh, in the chat says God of War is 100% Norse with Greek flashbacks. Yeah, that will. I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Me too. Yeah. Um, Ryan, you know the deal. You're also <laughs> you know how this goes. You're drunk. <laughs> he is drunk. But since he's here, let's talk about Dune. Ooh, because Dune um, is talking. Denis Villeneuve apparently is talking to two new cast members. Um, Austin Butler, who will soon be seen in the Elvis biopic by Baz Luhrmann this week, um, is going is in talks to play Fade Rautha. Harkonnen, if you remember the if you remember the books, which we talked about on the on the book club, uh, right. yeah, pretty cool. And then Florence Pugh is in talks to play Princess Rulin. Yeah, mm, I have strong good. feelings about the Pew. Uh, I I'm not familiar enough with Austin Butler to have feelings one way or another, but uh, so I'm all about what, I'm all about Florence Pugh coming in. Yes, it is. is that would right, because at first I read it as Pug. I was like, no, what the heck Pew. is Pug? I, yeah, I like ba- uh, Ryan wanted uh, Barry Cohen for fade rotha oh yeah that'd be cool i kind of wanted um because uh mainly because robert pattinson said he was interested in being and be in going and doing dune uh i kind of wanted him mm. <laughs> but yeah um barry Cogan would be great as that character boys look who's here mag hello mag. sir mag in the chat okay moving on uh, we've known for a while that the worst the worst kept secret of marvel studios is that a halloween special about werewolf by night is coming um, and it's going to film soon. Uh, they've tapped a director, surprisingly, the composer, Michael Giacchino. Yeah, this is wild. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I believe has only directed a Star Trek short outside of this. That's as far as I know. I recently, I recently rewatched that short. It's very good. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm curious to see what he'll do with this. This will be a live action thing, not an animation thing. And so, yeah, man, if he wants to get directing, I love his music. Why not? Why not? You know, do, will he be the first the first director co- to compose his own thing? No, John Carpenter did that. 
Yeah, I yeah. was going to say. <laughs> that's definitely happened before. Yeah. Um. Okay, but that's cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. Deadpool 3 also has a director. Sean Levy. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds made this official this week. Uh, the director of Free Guy, Adam Project, Sean Levy will direct Deadpool 3. This is the third director that Deadpool has gotten. Replacing um, Atomic Blonde. Yep. Who was that guy? John Wick. No, he did the first John Wick, then Atomic Blonde, then Deadpool oh, okay. 2, and now he's doing Bullet Train. Okay. I, will, I will Google it. But yeah, anyway. Sean Levy. Um, awesome. I'm really enjoying his work right now. Obviously, I did. I really love David Legion. Leach. David Leach. Um, I really like uh, Date Night and Real Steel before before uh, Free Guy. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm into this. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, yes, they clearly work well together. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about this latest movie in a bit. Craven the Hunter has cast Christopher Abbott as the foreigner. I don't know who that character is. I was kind of hoping Ryan would be here to say who. Um, so, Ryan, if you're still in the chat, why don't you tell us who the foreigner is and we'll read it out loud. Oh, he is. He's talking about Tim Miller and Chad, and Chad Keona Boy. Yes, uh, Tim Miller did. Uh, no, Chad Stahelski did not do Deadpool 2, but Tim Miller did the first Deadpool. I have a feeling that Ryan Reynolds is the, is the pure creative process that is getting um, that is getting uh uh deadpool 3 made because he probably went to kevin feige and was like you cannot cancel this movie because i spent too long getting this franchise off the ground and you better not you better let me keep doing this yeah so ryan is here he says the foreigner is drum roll please a guy great can't wait great um i can all right uh yeah anyway more set for deadpool 3 than this and then the tv show cw the cw show gotham knights has cast a few people. Mm-hmm. Actually, quite a few people. So Oscar Morgan will play a new character called Turner Hayes, who is an orphan who was adopted by uh, Bruce Wayne. Um, Olivia Rose Keegan will play Dwella Dent. And this version will be the daughter of the Joker, like she is in most comic book versions. Um, described as an abrasive, unpredictable, and a little unhinged. And then Navia Robinson will play Carrie Kelly. Uh in this story, she's a former Robin. Um, so she's her timeline is far closer to that of like Dick Grayson and Tim Drake. Um, and then Fallon Smythe will play Harper Rowe, uh, Scott Snyder's creative character who turned into Bluebird. And then Tyler DeChiara will play Cullen Rowe, her brother. Mm. The show's happening, I guess. It's only got a pilot order, right? Yes, I believe so at this time. Yeah. So cool i mean look, look you know if it's good I'll, I'll i'll check it out it doesn't seem to be connected to the rest of the cw verse i mean i've been telling you legends is good you haven't checked that out yet legends i gotta catch up on but i could watch i could watch the first episode of something mm, yeah i guess yeah like i did with the superman and lois uh-huh yeah I, that's true look i will i will catch up on legend of tomorrow someday i want to i just no, i get you i get you i gotta find the time yeah yeah no i know i know it's hard it's hard, baby. It's hard. Oh, I just realized what episode of Star Trek Star is on. Yes. Okay. Uh, Sparks, you wrote this one down here in the delay section of our of our show. Did you want to read it? Uh, sure. Let me pop open my docs on my phone. Oh, that sounded different. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> okay. 
Real quick, so uh, we're about to talk about a bunch of delays, but uh, the first few of these are definitely stemming from what's still going on in the Ukraine. Um, so let me just go ahead. Uh, the invasion in Ukraine is still happening, and we still uh, obviously are thinking of them and stand support of that country currently suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, this week, the website itch.io, that's itch.io, uh, put up a bundle hosted by Necrosoft Games of 991 indie games valued at $6,500 for a minimum donation of $10, friends. Uh, that goes wow. to support Ukraine through two charities, uh, International Medi Medical Corps and Voices of Children. Over $5 million has already been raised. And this is a really great and easy way that you can contribute, that you can help out. Um, and you get so many games, guys. And like they, they are all for your computer. Um, but like... There's some good bangers in there for indie games. Like you're, you're getting, you're getting way more than your money's worth if you just go in at the ten dollars. Like really, really go ahead and do it. And the link where this could be found is in the description below. Um, Thank you, Brandon. You can, of course, uh, you can check that out um, and support because uh, what's happening there is really terrible. Absolutely, um, do it. Easy way to get a bunch of really great, like definitely some great games in there. Probably a lot of really other cool, enjoyable little indie gems. Like have a great time. Yeah. Um, speaking of of Ukraine, though, going into some of the, the news here is that it has delayed Advance Wars One Plus Two reboot camp. Uh, Nintendo has decided to delay the Switch release for that game. Yes, um, in response to this, mm -hmm. to, to this happening. Because yeah, and there is a actually, war. this is not the first time they've done this. But this is actually not the first time they had to delay a recent, uh, the release of Advance Wars. Um, when the the game originally came out on the Game Boy, it was slated to come out in September of two thousand and one. And we all know what happened then. So what happened then? Gee, I don't know. One of the most horrible, terrible terrorist attacks in the United States. Anyways, um, so uh, yeah, um, Nintendo hasn't given given out a specific release date of when they're gonna officially release Advance Wars One to Reboot Camp. The game is still coming, as far as we know. But a lot of people, of course, on Twitter are kind of some of them are saying this is a good thing. Of course, some of them are saying, "Oh, this is just a fictional story." Her, her, her. It's still war, and the antagonists of the game do. I mean, they're fictional countries, of course, but the antagonists still give off a Russian vibe. And Nintendo is saying, "Look, this is not the correct time to release this game." Even though it's chibi, it's cartoon, it's cute, and all that stuff, it's still war. People are dying. Your units are dying. Yeah. So I have to say, go Nintendo for pushing this back a little bit. And then Stalker Two, a game that Ryan said he was very excited for, um, a is being developed by a Ukraine developer. Yep. Um, they obviously held the game as holding the game indefinitely. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, there's probably going to be more of this as things draw on for now. Um, yeah. think again, like awful situation. Yeah. I hate, I hate that we're here. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Gotta, gotta kind of like decompress after a lot of that. Um, really sucks. Uh, look, Donate, uh, donate if you can. Help out where you can. Um, look, it's not things aren't great right now, and yeah. you know. Um, okay. Remember when we had to see the Batman and there was this whole trailer for all these DC movies that are coming out this year? Yeah, those are getting pushed back. Man, this was wild. This was crazy. So let's start with Black Adam. Black Adam, which has been in development for well over a decade, um, has been pushed. From July 29th, which is its original release date, to October 21st of this year. So it is still coming out this year, but in October instead. Right. Um, the DC League of Super Pets, 
the other rock led film uh is coming is, is now coming instead of may 20th is now coming in black adam slot of july 29th right so aquaman of the lost kingdom this upset me Hi. um <laughs> was pushed from its december 16th 2022 release date to march 17th 2023 i am less upset about this one specifically because james wan was out there posting about like True. having the time to get the visual effects done and not wanting to put the team on crunch and i'm always for like don't put your team on crunch me too mm-hmm. uh so the fact that that specifically came out i'm like yeah of course i mean de- you know delay your movie yeah i was That's talking fine. about it i was talking about it on on the pigner's watch that we just recorded like you know you'll get better results if you're given time yeah it's it's a bummer i definitely am sad more than anything i'm even though i wouldn't want to wait longer necessarily if we don't have to uh i'm sad to see aquaman lose that december time frame i thought that was a good time for aquaman me too uh it uh, it might be per- it might be partially responsible for its uh for the original billion dollar gross who knows but the flash has been pushed from november 4th of this year to june 23rd of next year mm-hmm. which makes which makes it its sixth delay since march 31st since march 23rd 2018 we keep joking that this movie's never going to come out. We have a trailer, so now it's like, okay, it is going to happen, but bloody hell, again? I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced this movie is made. Yeah. Um, uh, go, ahead. go ahead and finish. Well, the other thing is that the, that Batgirl is most likely getting delayed right. because of this. Because yeah. um, Michael Keaton's Batman was supposed to be introduced, reintroduced in this film. and We, she... we, we assume that must be relevant. <laughs> He's in Batgirl, yeah. so... yeah. Uh, Batgirl mm-hmm. does not have an official release date, mm-hmm. but it was uh, said to have come out this year, towards the end of the year. Um, it is likely at this point that it's pushed till after Flash. Yeah. Uh, Maga saying, shake my head, these pushbacks, especially in the trailer for Batman for Bat Marketing. I always thought that meant so much hate. I thought that too. Oh, so shake my shame. head. I, yeah, yeah, shake One my of head. us is wrong, Ben. One of us is wrong. <laughs> or maybe we're both right. <laughs> I'm just um, wrong. Okay. <laughs> But some good news in this Shazam Fury of the Gods, the second Shazam movie um, has been what? What's wrong with this? <laughs> Ryan? What the, what the fuck is wrong with this Flash movie? Yeah. We don't know, bud. And like, yeah, that's the thing is like this one is specifically, I guess the rumor is, and I'll take this, these with a grain of salt. The rumor is that this is because of reshoots. The Flash specifically is because of reshoots. Okay. Who knows what that could mean? Right. I guess we'll know if Michael Keaton's written out of the Batgirl movie. They saw that. That's all that multiverse of madness trailer, and they went, "Oh shit!" <laughs> right? And like it's just, it's just like there was the rumor is that the is that the execs aren't aren't happy with some characters' inclusion, uh, uh, implying to be Michael Keaton returning as Batman. So like, I don't know if I believe any of this, but like seriously, like this is what's what's happening. Shake my head. Oh, apparently <laughs> sh- no. no. Ryan's laughing at it. Oh, he's real laughing at it. That's funny. <laughs> shake my head. Well, shake my head then. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, Shazam: Fury of the Gods has been pushed up. <clears throat> apparently, that movie is like the first one is the little engine that could. That movie is done early, so it's been pushed up from June second, two thousand twenty-three to December 12th, 2022, which puts it just a couple days before Avatar 2. 
yeah, that's great. Um, it, it's like a consolation prize, but I'm happy to get Shazam this year. Yeah. Uh, it's just weird that this happened. It's weird because they clearly had so much confidence going into this year, and that that sizzle reel has really like hit them in, right in that that artery in the in the leg, just like yeah. really taking them out. Uh, bummer. I felt like they were trying to ramp up ramp up some real momentum. Me too. And this definitely feels like a stall. Yeah, the next film that DC puts out is there. There are going to be people confused because, like, there's people who aren't us who like go to the movie theaters. And they're like, "Oh, damn! There's all these DC movies this year." And they're they're going to get to like June. And they're going to be like, "Why haven't I seen a damn Flash trailer?" Like, <laughs> I thought that movie was this year. Um, with uh, not counting DC League of Super Pets, but like the next DC film is Black Adam. Yeah. At this point. Well, um, it still, it still was. So ben, pull it up. <laughs> he goes, "No, we're shaking my head, y'all wrong." Ben is the captain now. <laughs> well, there you go. I feel validated. Thank you, Ryan. Good for you, Ben. Shake <laughs> my head. So much hate. So much. Yeah, so much hate. Um. Okay. Anyway. Um. I hope that Avatar two. I look never bet against James Cameron, but like I, I hope that Shazam gets a good run of some solid money before avatar 2 is released i know it's not a lot of it's like four days but like let's let's hope it makes some money before avatar 2 just like destroys it yeah um the other dates that came out that were released um was uh wonka which is timothy chalamet's new film december 15th and this was interesting the meg 2 the trench august 4th of 2023 um, we had no need to talk about it, but the the female lead from the original The Meg, uh, she's out on. She's not in the sequel. You mean Ruby Rose? No, the one that he was falling in love with. Oh, I don't remember who that was. Yeah, um, she was. Well, she was the main like Chinese star to oh, yeah. pull in those audiences, but they actually had good chemistry. Well, she's not in it. Oh, I mean, in fairness, I wasn't really too excited. And about it the sounds like anyway. it sounds like they're not replacing her, but they're still keeping her daughter. Weird. I don't know, man. I don't know. To be fair, I wasn't really excited about this movie anyway. What? It's a big shark. What's what? Not to be that movie's not about? very good. That movie was great. I don't know what you're talking about. You said yourself you didn't much care for the movie. I mean, like on the scale of shark movies, it's still in the top five. That's not a. That's not a high bar. No, it's not. But I mean, it's there. All right, whatever. I mean, let's be real. The bar is located at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, anyway. Trailers! Mm. <laughs> Trailers! Mm. Moonshot. Cole Sprouse. Do we want to talk about that Sonic trailer? Oh, you mean... <laughs> Boy! I knew I'd get Ben. Yeah. I I saw that. I saw that. And the I was like... That, the thing that gets me is they really made a two-minute, 30-second trailer that's only the first just 25 the title seconds card. of important stuff and then just a title card for the rest of them. Like, Jesus. They, I loved a, it. That was a, that was a good... That was because I saw the I saw the tweet that you guys sent in our thread this morning. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I was like, oh, what do you mean they got they got you? So I was like, oh yeah, I gotta watch that trailer because I went to uh, Grayson's house. I started watching it, and then it's like, did you catch it? I was like, what do you mean did I catch? Oh, you mother effer! The and real then, trailer is tomorrow. Yeah, real trailer is tomorrow. Although that's really good clickbait because you can tell it's like, oh, it's only like a short thing by the how long it is. Two minutes twenty eight seconds. It's like, oh, that's a real trailer. Click. Oh, they got me. 
Yep. Yeah, I, I I clicked on it and I was like, oh, that's a that's a long thing. And I was like, oh wait, is this just the title? And so yeah. I like I scrubbed a bit and I was like, man, that brilliant. I like said I like I talked to my phone. I was like, this was brilliant. Good job, Paramount. <laughs> um, God. The right. Halo, the second Halo trailer is also dropping tomorrow. Cool. So moonshot. Moonshot. Cool yeah, this looks really cute. This looks cute. Man. I mean, like, we can make some pretty quality-looking Xenon-type films these days. I got the same thing. Yeah. I, Very I mean, like, I, I'm really glad that we can do, like, these kind of really low-level, meet-cute kind of movies, but uh, now with space. Yeah. Uh, the guy from Love, Victor, who's also in Scream, I've been seeing him a lot in things. He was not my first choice for someone to break out of Love, Victor, but, uh, you know, he's good, so. Uh, I think this looks fine yeah sure looks like a nice little sunday night you can put on with your girl yeah mm, yeah i guess so what about apollo 10 and a half a space age childhood this is by the same guy who did the scanner darkly there's some stuff i really like in here i'm not crazy about this style of animation i never oh. have been Thank God you're not. I'm not the only one. I don't like the animation style. I didn't even like it in Skinner Directly. Like the yeah. the other, like the content of like what I was seeing outside the animation is like that's actually kind of funny. They made the the module too small, so a kid has to fly it. I think that's funny. Yeah, but I just don't like the way it's it looks. I mean, what it is? So it's 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 rotoscoped animation. It's so these actors are doing things and then they're animated. They're they're self, they're animating on top of it. They, they did the same thing as Scanner Darkly. I think a Scanner Darkly is a pretty good movie, but the animation makes it mostly unwatchable for me. I think um, I think a Scanner Darkly also benefits its own animation by the content of the story it's telling. Yeah, helps, sure. Helps with that animation and this is like so I like the environments in this animation. Um but the people I still, I'm still not crazy about it. I never have been, but the environments are kind of working for me, especially for the setting of the time period. Sure. There's something that feels almost like it could be thematically like I'm trying to find the right words. This, this feels like the kind of like posters you get when they're like, you know, they're they're advertising a new community coming to the area at this time, mm. uh, the time frame that we're set in, um, and that kind of art style in motion. And that almost makes me cool with it because I like some of what's going on in the story here and some of the, the, the lines. That whole bit in the car about the hippie is really good. Um, I, I don't know if I can get past it, though. We'll see. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Uh, DMZ. I'm interested in this show. This trailer didn't do a lot for me. It kind of looked like every other post-apocalyptic it did thing. It, it did nothing to make it stand out yeah uh i've not read the comic it's based on um in fairness so i'm not sure um if i'd be interested in otherwise but like there was nothing in this trailer that i that i thought like, like yeah I, I should i should definitely check this out yeah it, it, it just didn't have a hook yeah rosaria dawson is not a hook i'm afraid well, that's the thing. Is like nobody in the cast really is. Like, no offense to them. There's a lot of people I like in here. Benjamin Bratt's in here. He's sure. not. I wouldn't call him a hook though. Like, it felt like you needed to get get us in on the story, and I just don't feel like it did it. Yeah, I get that. Why don't we move on to the unbearable weight of massive talent? This is the trailer say, that dropped. I was going to say real quick with uh, on the DMZ thing. I was more interested from the behind the scenes featurette where they were talking about the roles they're playing. Oh sure. Uh, than I was by this trailer. Yeah. 
the unbearable weight of massive talent released the trailer that released with the Batman. Yeah, so, I thought we I thought we kind of talked about this a little bit. Last I wasn't week. sure, so I put it on. I put it on because the trailer actually dropped online this week. Sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I do think we kind of talked about it, but like, yeah, I, I mean, I want to see it. I really like the. It's hook. nice to know. It's nice to know more about what's going to happen. Yeah, the idea that like he's working for the CIA is a really cool concept that I'm really into. Are those my golden guns? No, they're my golden guns. Uh, it, Pedro Pascal and, and he look like they're having a lot of fun. Yeah, they do. They really do. Uh, um, I think that one shot of him that's right near the end where you see him and he's got like the hair and the makeup on yeah. really accentuates like, see, you don't need to do CGI all the time, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, real quickly, uh, Ben, why don't you bring up Brian's uh, comment about the DMZ comic? Yeah, uh, he Ryan said it's a good comic for show, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Then let's go on to Gundam. Kukuru's Doan's Island. Kukuru's Doan's Island. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really happy this trailer dropped right after I brought up last week. So this is the movie that I mentioned last week. Uh, for, for those who didn't catch this, uh, this is a film adaptation of a single episode from Mobile Suit Gundam. It's uh, episode 15 of the series, which is not usually released internationally. Um, and they, the, they've gone through pretty good lengths to pretty much bury it. It's not considered an official part of the story anymore um, because uh, they were so disappointed in like the animation for this one in particular. There's just a lot of off-modeling. There's a lot of problems in it. So they've tried to kind of really distance themselves away from it. And this is kind of a let's reclaim ourselves in the light of this moment, which is really interesting because it's honestly kind of a fillery episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not complete filler, but it's it's close. It's pretty much as close as Mobile Suit Gundam gets to filler. And so it's really interesting that they're going to turn that into a whole 90-minute spectacle. But that being said, it is really great to be in this moment where I'm watching the show and see all these characters recreated in a more modern, sleek animation. I'm like, oh my god, they look so good. And um, they look like the same character, mo- character they, models. They, they are. They, they're like, they're updated for sure, but like they're doing the eyes the same for all the characters. Like Bright's eyes look different from everyone else's, uh, which I really love. Um, it's doing my favorite thing, which is a blend of 2D, 3D, and the 3D is being used for mechanical things. I think 3D animation looks best on mechanical pieces. When it's non-organic things, I think that's where 3D anime looks best. And mm-hmm. so it being used for the Gundams, the mobile suits, looks great. Really love it. I think it's really popping. Uh, but the fact that they're using all 2D for everything else, I'm like, yes, yes, this is exactly how you do it. Uh, I told Ryan this. I, I kind of, it made me go, I think they should just remake Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> I, I honestly do. I think like that that show... Like I, I, I understand like appreciating the classic work and that's originally there, but like you could you could really make the weight of that war story hit so much harder now with what you can do with animation. Um, and you're taking the same story, just like updating that animation. If it all looked on this level, it would look incredible. Yeah, uh, I thought this looks really cool. I didn't. I mean, I don't have a, a big connection to this version of Gundam, but yeah, I thought this looked really cool. For for those who don't know, um, the original series also has compilation films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think if you didn't necessarily want to take on the whole series, but you wanted to remake those compilation films that tell the story of Mobile Suit Gundam, but do it in this animation, I think that's the way to go. I think that would be amazing, yeah. like a solid trilogy of just like feel the classic Gundam stuff. Like uh, I would think that would be nuts. I think that'd be yeah. awesome. Uh, ben, did you want to say anything? Because I know you also watched Mobile Suit Gundam 
Yeah, because um, I, I didn't, didn't even know about this episode until Sparks mentioned it last week or a, a while ago. And I have to say, the animation does look gorgeous. I also echo what he's saying that because they did this in Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, whereas all the characters are 2D animated. But the second you get to the mobile suits and the fighting and like the mech on mech fighting, it's all 3D animation and it looks gorgeous. I think they also did it for Unicorn too, but it's just gotten better. And I say, yeah, I, I actually would like to see them remake Mobile Suit Gundam in this style, but maybe in like like the the film what the film way like hey this is them going to earth this is them going to jabril this is them fighting and then you know just like like the big arcs condense that into films and then you have like here here's the really good story of mobile suit gundam this is a such this is such an interesting idea for a movie uh doing an adaptation of a, of just a random episode I'm, I'm so fascinated by that idea like i understand the way, way you've talked about the motivation of it but like that's really interesting yeah it's, it definitely feels like a uh you know, let's come back and score a victory over yeah. this, uh, what feels like for the company a little bit of a defeat yeah. uh, in terms of that episode. And I, I think that's really cool. The the plot for those who are interested, who who want to watch this trailer or are excited about the film, uh, Amaro um, goes out uh, answering a distress signal and his ship gets brought down by a Zeon Zaku, but it turns out that it's actually being controlled by a Zeon soldier who deserted because he felt bad about killing a bunch of orphans' parents. And he's been looking out for them and protecting them on the island. That's that's Kukuru's Don. Uh, that's the deserter from Zeon. Mm. And uh, ultimately, his Zaku grabs more Zeon attention. And so he and Amuro have to team up to fight the other Zeon forces. Mm. Cool. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, all right. The Boys Season 3 first trailer. Yeah. Uh, my friend, my friend Miles is in a in a blink and you miss it moment in this trailer, but good for oh, him. Really? He's uh, yeah. He's the guy dancing on stage uh, part way in. That's cool. Um, that's, that's my friend miles. I'm real happy for him. We see what looks like a commercial for a trains drink. When he goes in front of the protest. Oh my God. The, the, the soda thing. The soda. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Take the piss out of everything. Um, it looks like Busher's getting powers now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Getting like eye beam powers. We get, we get a lot of looks at Jensen Ackles. Yeah, he looks in. good. He looks good. Yeah, uh, I there's not there's not too much to read into. I'm just I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm really glad we finally got a, a look at it, and I think it looks really great. Uh, did you guys hear that the guy who plays Homelander got arrested in Spain? I yes. did. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. There's a lot of stuff that I there's, it looks it looks unhinged in only the way that the boys could escalate to. Um, there's there's like musical dance sequences that we see. There's what we what I love about this is is we don't just see glimpses of plot. We see glimpses of what are clearly fantasy or commercials or in universe things that I'm I'm su I'm super here for. Mm -hmm. well, I'm, um, really, I'm really scared of what that octopus is going to do with the deep, though. The deep having sex with a woman looking at an octopus is quite frankly very funny. <laughs> it's funny, but uh. uh um okay oh god mag <laughs> oh yeah director becoming too close to character <laughs> yep do you even know who i am oh and of course ryan he goes kendall jenner lives yes my god um sparks you put this one on here i'm a little surprised um star trek strange new worlds i mean i sit here every once in a while and listen to you talk about any star trek trailer and i'm like mm, okay cool yeah um, which I feel like you only felt the need not to talk about because you had the opportunity on Fake Nerds Watch. I did. Uh, but too bad for you. 
Um, because <laughs> I also want to talk about this one because this is maybe the closest outside of Lower Decks that the modern Star Trek shows have gotten to making me go, okay, okay, maybe. Interesting. Really? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I I'm very into going back to the classic time period right now. Mm-hmm. Um. So so taking this this Ensign Mount story. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of different planets. Like this is this is more in the vein of like Star Trek. I want to go into maybe because it like doesn't feel like there's as many strings attached to yeah. go to it. You know? Yeah. So this is like I, I uh, have I have stuff I have to watch to engage with a lot of the other ones. Yeah, I get that. Uh, there's a, so in this one, this is what the showrunners have talked about. This is the show that's going to go back to a more episodic storytelling. There will be a um, a, a thread throughout, but this is more where we are going to different planets and we're doing these stories uh, on this planet and or on the ship or whatever. Um, and Anson Mount is reprising his role as Captain Pike from Discovery, which he took over from Jeffrey Hunter from the original pilot. Do you, you know? Want to know what it is, Brand? This is the one that feels like it's going to be the closest to um, Orville sure i totally get i totally get that yes and that's and that's why i'm like i'm down with that yeah that's that's where i want to live right now so sure probably a lot less comedic though oh sure but i mean like in in like the the star trek version of what modern day orville has been able to do because orville is like modernizing star trek in a way yeah uh this feels like what what the orville does as far as like it's episodic nature while while threads have continued orville has also stayed pretty episodic yeah um and it's it's uh, ability to go and explore these different ideas with different planets. I feel like that's what this show wants to be. And I'm like, yeah, that's that is more what I want right now. Yeah, I, Ryan and I talked about it. The idea of like, you know, you can't really remake that original show, but you can kind of do the same thing with a different captain. And I think Pike is a really good choice. Obviously, his Anson Mount was a great character on Star Trek Discovery and so much so that there was a huge demand to get him his own show. And we finally got it. Um, we're kind of exploring that time period with this character in kind of the same vein as the original Star Trek show, but modernized um, is very fun. And I'm, I'm super looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know if you're going to watch it, but I'm really excited that you want to. It's definitely, it's definitely, I mean, like I want to take the big dive on Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I made a choice realistically i made a choice between star trek and gundam and i chose gundam um (laughs) (laughs) on what i was gonna like full-blown dive into but strange new worlds feels like the one where i'm like maybe that is where i can get in on a on a week-to-week basis right now yeah sure um it, it i definitely like i'm chasing that that orville feeling um but i don't need like the comedy necessarily but i i'm all about like that space venture explorer feeling which is i think where this feels the closest to yeah i definitely get that sense too and i hope they pay i hope it pays off um it looks like a really good modernization of the original series also like a lot of the tech is very similar but yeah um, yeah that shot yeah. that shot where they beam down to the planet i was like oh, that just that felt good and yeah. i i will admit like even not being a big trek person because i haven't watched it uh, all this stuff, like the the conversation about you know, like we when we go that first contact we have, we become, uh, you know, a, a, an inspirational symbol, and like the the kid holding the paper that turns into the ship, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good, man. Yeah. That's pretty good. A lot of really cool, strange new worlds. Yeah, um, I was also excited for it. Curiously excited for strange worlds. Yeah, it's 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 probably the most I'm excited for Star Trek at this point. Um, I really 
would be blown away if Picard ended on a really high note and then we moved on to a really good show. I'd be like, so that'd be just the, that's the dream right there. Sure. Um, okay. But speaking of stars, let's go to a different universe with star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi. We got our first trailer. I want to get my, my neg out of the way, which is the grand inquisitor is disappointing. Very. Uh, and, and like, and like it'd be one thing, I agree with what people have been saying on Twitter, which is that it would be one thing if it was just like him from animation into live action, but he is of a race that we've seen. We have seen what they look like in live action and they look better than this. Yes. And that is a bummer. Um, he is, I to be fair though. I didn't know he was meant to be that space, that, that species from Utapau uh, prior. I, but I really like that character. And when I saw him, it looks kind of like they smushed his head down. <laughs> Yes. Uh, like he's wearing a bad bald cap. Right, because you realize that that's like they they did choose him out of that race. Yeah. And that's what they look like in Revenge of the Sith is they have those big heads and I'm like, well, it's kind of a bummer that we went away from that. Yeah, he just doesn't look very menacing. He he's missing the eyes. Um the 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 like the lines in his face are are aren't as visible. Um it's Again just... like again like if we had no live action version of his species to compare it to i wouldn't be as like bummer but yeah. we do and i'm look. I, i've looked at the pictures and i'm thinking about their appearance in revenge of the system i'm like eh. it, like i don't know how hard this would have been like he looks really good they look really cool yeah. i don't know why he can't look like this honestly, he just kind of looks like a dude honestly i didn't even know that was the grand inquisitor until someone mentioned that it was him I was like hey this is what he looks like in animation this is what he looks like. i was like wait what i didn't either so i'm a huge rebels fan i love rebels i love the i love the inquisitors I, they're my favorite new additions to canon like i'm so so excited but like when 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 i when i saw him in the trailer initially i just didn't think it was i didn't think that was the grand inquisitor i just thought it was an inquisitor yeah mm -hmm. um, um that's my that's my big my big bummer yeah, Maggie's saying fans even edited the heads and eyes. As yeah, I don't want to give that too much. I don't want to give that too much weight because, like, I've seen some. I've seen some good fan edits, some some bad fan edits. Like, I I do understand that there's a lot that can't be done due to his facial structure, the actor's facial structure. Um, but I do think a little bit more care could have been done in the prosthetic work on his head, uh, rather than just what what to me looks like a bad bald cap. Again, the the big thing just being like, I don't understand why we didn't start from start from what we did in Revenge of the Sith and work from there. Yeah. Um. And I'm glad that Ryan's on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, "Hey, y'all, I'm back. Glad you agree on the Inquisitor. Looks so bad. Duel of the Fates music does a lot for this trailer, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Especially, I, I especially for that Inquisitor being the most iconic of the Inquisitors. Yes. Like, I, I, I'm disappointed that we didn't nail that look. That just feels yeah. like it was a bar that wasn't that hard to miss. And it's not something they can go back and fix because it is a practical no. effect. Which yeah. you know, hey props doing a practical effect that's what's done is done yep um i don't necessarily i really like this trailer otherwise though i'm yes. I'll, I'll be honest i really like this trailer i love um what i i love this plot line of seeing um of seeing like a beaten down hero kind of you know obi-wan has lost everything and he's and he's happy to do this mission but you know there's a sense of like I you know I, I I let the galaxy down. I let I let the Jedi Order down. I like the the kind of Luke Skywalker uh, Last Jedi sense that we're getting from Obi Wan here, um, and and kind of seeing him grow to the Alec Guinness Obi Wan is very intriguing to me, and I'm so excited to see that growth. Hopefully, it's written well, but that that got me very excited. Yeah, 
Um, yes, I think uh, Ryan brought it up, the Duel of the Fates, like, uh, good needle drop use in this trailer. The environments look good. There's a lot of visually engaging stuff um, I'm, I'm happy for. Excuse me. Um, it is another thing that I talked about on Twitter with a friend. Uh, this, is, I guess, is a much more minor neg of just, like, kind of wish there was a little more gray in Obi-Wan's hair. <laughs> I feel yeah. like he should be a little bit more along to being Alec Guinness than he is, but uh, for nine years out, but that's fine. Um, I I am intrigued in what this show can do because this is this has the opportunity for being the transition of Obi-Wan from the, the Jedi recluse into the Hermit. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, I'm hoping that the point of the show is that while Obi-Wan knows that Anakin is lost to him, there's a different difference between knowing and accepting. Yes. And I hope this is accepting. Like what we're going to go through is the accepting. Right. Uh, we... Which brings him, which brings him to his, his kind of inner peace level that he has in a new hope. I totally agree with that. Like, I really, I really like the idea that this could be him going from now. He knows that Darth Vader is alive is Anakin Skywalker. And he wants to kind of try again, but he know, but he accepts that it's not possible anymore. He right. can't turn him back. And we know that other people have gotten close to turning to turning Anakin back to convert, turning Vader back into Anakin prior uh, to Luke doing it. We saw Ahsoka do it. Uh, it got, it got very close. So it does it makes sense that like Obi-Wan would also attempt to, and maybe even get pretty close. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the only one, the only person who is destined to turn Vader back into Anakin is Luke. And, and I think, giving obi-wan the opportunity for that background to inform his his statement that he's more machine than man now yeah um i think there's room for that to really really play as something strong here i agree ryan i also love space madripoor i Um, really like the new location yeah i think that i think there's a lot of cool cool looking stuff i'm i'm really hoping for the best here i hope we get really good obi-wan development in terms of that anakin stuff i have to imagine that's why hayden christensen is there i have to imagine that we're getting some flashback stuff uh i i i long for it i i love anything that's going to deepen that relationship for them me too i like otherwise there's no there's no point in getting back uh hayden christensen back as he is not he is not coming back just to like have one scene where he doesn't have the helmet on no exactly like there's there's no way um the the other thing is that like um the 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 trailer, what I thought was interesting, we never see him ignite his lightsaber. Yeah. We see him with a gun. We never see him ignite his lightsaber. I thought that was really cool. Um, I hate to tell you, Mag, but uh, unless there's a flashback, Ventress is dead. Ventress, yes. Uh, ben, if you could bring up Mag's oh, comment. Yeah. I um, hate it. I wish they hadn't done that, but they did. They killed her. Uh, so she's gone. Prior to I, the rise of the Empire. I wish that wasn't true, but it is. Right prior to the rise of the Empire, she dies? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so unfortunately, earlier than I wish she had at all, yeah. But to be fair, they could, I they could retcon that they've done it before, yeah. But that's that's a Disney book mm-hmm. that kills her. They're less, I, I think that that being a point that they killed her in that book, I don't think they'll ever retcon that, maybe not. Um, um which is unfortunate because I, I live in a space where like I wanted a more Asajj Ventress focused story at some point, and I, sure. I don't think there's room for it now because of that. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I think that's it. Anything else I want to touch on, Obi Wan? No, I'm uh, I'm optimistic. <laughs> okay, though, Ryan, no. Darth Maul. The the I listened to a podcast uh, where 
everybody on there is fans of Rebels and watched Rebels. Mm-hmm. And they were like, there absolutely must be a live action recreation of the Darth Maul no. fight in this series. And I'm like, no. How can you feel that? Like, no, there doesn't need to be. The the thing that I saw on the thing that I saw on 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 uh Twitter a lot was people talking about how they want to see, like, oh, could Darth Maul show up in the show? It's like, no, this happened already. We know when this happened. We know that uh Darth Maul and Obi-Wan fight years after this 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 time period um uh brian ben do you want to bring up his last comment before we yeah. move into this yeah uh he says been reading a lot of comics today and i can for sure say they'll ignore some of this sh- some of this shit yep. um yeah it's entirely possible i think you know i i there is a difference between you know certain story elements that can still kind of work and then like a major character within the franchise dying yeah. um you know it's like um Alas, Akira. No, it's the the bounty hunter in Solo that they that they just kind of write off quickly. Venture. No, uh, Jesus. Uh, Lando was having trouble with the bounty hunter that Woody Harrelson killed. Mm, I don't it's remember. A, anyway, doesn't matter. But yeah, um, I'm very excited for the show. By the way, I really like this trailer. I can't wait for more. Yeah. Um, okay, shall we move into our main topic? It is that time. Okay, so which movie do we want to do first? Well, you tell me. Uh, let's do Turning Red first. Sounds good. All right, so Turning Red. So this is uh, full spoilers for Turning Red, the new Pixar uh, animated film that is on Disney Plus currently. Again, full spoilers. You've been warned. Um, let's go right into it. What do we think about Turning Red? Uh, I loved it. Ben? I loved it too. I also really loved it. I thought this was a lot of fun. Yay! I'm not surprised it's Pixar. Yeah. I mean, you know, I like Soul a lot, but I didn't love Soul. I, I liked Luca a lot. I didn't love Luca. Uh, as part of it was kind of thinking, like, am I just aging out of the Pixar kind of ideal? But, you know, I really loved this. I thought this was really good. Um, I think the animation's exceptional. Uh, I, I think they did such a good job creating a world that felt wholly unique from other Pixar worlds, but still felt like I can tell Pixar made this, um, mm. but it doesn't feel like any world they've been to before or the way that they've made a movie before. Like there's a lot of the way they, the, it's very anime inspired with a lot of its animation cuts, specifically to people's faces and getting tight on them and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I just adored it animation wise. Um, and I think the characters are all really good. I like the story behind it. Uh, I, I think it's got a good heart and a good message. I'll be honest, I feel like it's missing something, and I've been thinking about it since I watched it, and I can't put my finger on it. I really couldn't tell oh. you what it is, but I feel like there's just there's just something there. It, for me, it was a little frustrating, because I knew where the story was going to go. It's not that hard to figure out that the idea is that she needs to be accepting of herself and the, the panda within her. Um, I almost wish that the end had made it so that Maybe not all of them, but like more of the family kept their panda. Like maybe the mom kept her panda too. Maybe not the mom because that's a really big panda, but like yeah. someone, like the grandmother. When, when the mom was going through, it was like, this has turned into a kaiju movie really quick. This was like, yes. wow, okay. I feel like, I feel like I hear you, but I feel like that would cheapen the importance of May's choice. Yeah. Because sure. it's a choice, it's a choice she's making about who she's going to be. And they are who they are. 
yeah. at the point that they're at. Like, you you can change as a person, sure, but you can't like fundamentally alter a decision like that. Right. You know, like they they made a decision about the parts of themselves they were going to embrace and the parts of themselves they were going to leave behind, and that on like from the context and lens of what it's saying is about like growing up. You can't alter that when you're in your 50s and and above. You know, you can't change yeah. how you grew up. So I I think that I I hear you. I kind of get how like it would have been cool if May could have like I think she still broadened their concepts of their relationship with the pandas, but can't change the fact that they have to part with their pandas. Yeah, no, I totally see what you're saying. It's not necessarily a break the movie thing for me. It was just kind of a thought that I had at the time because I felt like the story was was you know about uh, learning to accept all parts of you and and i took it as like the panda was a repressed uh part of them um and and, and so like having maybe some of them accept it you know at, at the end of it it's kind of like coming into your own so late in life yeah i i want to be clear like i'm not i'm not attacking your point i i thought about this too and yeah. i think that the reason why i like the decision so much is because the mother still has fear Mm -hmm. right when she passes through and parts with her panda she looks back and she's like no 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 still come with me she's still afraid of letting her do this because it's it's an unknown and i think that that's a part of like the letting go as a parent and embracing who your child is choosing to be as well um and and supporting them and if other members of the family were doing it the mother wouldn't be quite as justified in having the fear because sure. she'd have some reference point of like it will be okay yeah, she really doesn't know. She's really afraid. Yeah, and I I do really like the moment where they all decided to break their charm so that they can become the pandas. I so. love that so much. So good, so wonderful. Um, because oh. like I I I called it. I called it. It's like when they're at the Four Town concert and they're gonna drag the the kaiju panda in, and I was like, wait, it doesn't matter what song they sing as long as it's from the heart. Four Town is gonna sing this. Yeah, that was very good. Very nicely set up. Uh, mm -hmm. I I really. I did also see like where the movie was going as a story fundamentally, but I did not see Kaiju Panda. Neither nope. did I. Uh, I, I told you it was big. That was cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I did see where the story was going where, cause you have an overprotective mom, you have the, the daughter who's trying to live up to all those expectations. And sometimes that means screening her friends. But when Malin does finally get the chance to tell her mom is like, look, I love, I like doing all these things. The line that got me was she's like, I like gyrating, and she starts gyrating. That freaking got me. Um, what oh, another scene that got me, like we were talking about how good the animation quality was earlier. The Ghibli style food porn when the dad is making oh. dinner. It was just like that looks like it's oh, bullshit. That's real I, food. F I, all y'all, that's real food. I know what you're talking about. That's when I turned to Megan and I'm like, boy, if they made Ratatouille today. <laughs> like, oh. holy God. Like, that food I, I literally, has gotten insane. I, I, when that happened, I was like, oh, did we just jump into Ratatouille for a second? Yeah. Um, the, the, this is also the first Pixar film that I've seen have an opening title sequence. Yeah, I love where, it. Yeah. Where, it's, where she's like doing like the, the, she's like posing with the title. I thought that was cool. It was yeah. very, uh, it's it's very of a flavor of uh, anime and manga inspirations. Um, very, very like the character being engaged with the audience as it's going through like slice of life story. Uh, 
I, I really, really enjoy it. I, w- I want to highlight what Mag said, which is it, it was good just amazed they tackled the topic about pads and puberty. 100% Mag, I was also there. Like the fact when, when pads were not only mentioned, but like shown, I was like, oh man, I'm so happy we're here. I'm so happy that a movie, a, a, a kid's movie is doing this. There's a giant close-up. You forgot your pads! Like, uh, uh, knowing young boys are going to have questions and need to understand and recognize what happens to their female peers is great. Really happy that that's happening. Um, yeah. Cause I learned about it too late. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> later than I should have, frankly, to be uh, just a good friend. Um, so uh, I think that's awesome. Um, Me too. Yeah. I think, I think they do a lot of great, like real quick changes of the face uh, animations, the scene where puberty hits her like a truck. Um <laughs> really really love it uh I, <laughs> it I really goes like, from zero to 60 so fast i really like uh how the animation transitions how quick some of it are some of it is like when she turns into the panda how quick that animation is um how very physical a lot of the comedy is like when the when the girl comes out of the bathroom and she's just just pause and then pushes her back in yeah yeah um like you're talking about like the puberty thing with her drawing all these big things and, and all these like naughty <laughs> things in the she- thing when she draws the first one and then she's like, why'd I do that? Oh, oh. And then like gets down and rolls under the bed. And, like, <laughs> and then you get the mom and she's like, drawing some look- horny things. Woman. Don't, don't look at the notebook. She looked out. Oh no. It's like, she knows it. Like, oh, this is your homework. And, oh, just everything. That- oh, that poor guy. <laughs> Travis. What was the name? Travis. Devin. Devin, Devin, whatever. That poor guy, just not suspecting a thing. I mean, I just still- getting, lambasted I mean, I also that, that feel... definitely went way worse for me <laughs> that's true I, like this whole movie i feel so embarrassed for maylin because she oh, has sure. that over a protective parent where they're just like like they see the one thing is like oh did they this person do this it's like no i I drew this they, and it's that classic thing of a parent doesn't understand but even though they went through stuff with their with the like like the second one, the dad says, hey, it's your mom, and Ming instantly just hides. She's like, oh, hell no. Right, she reverts back to the thing. But you also find out, you also kind of realize why uh, the mother feels that way towards her mother and towards May. The idea that, like, if I just thought I could watch you like a hawk, I'd be able to see the signs and prepare you better. And she's she distanced herself from her mother because mm-hmm. of an accident that happened. Yeah. And, like, you'd see that the mother has a scar, and you can extrapolate mm-hmm. that that's what happened. Uh, somehow they got that she got that scar through an accident with with uh, the mother's panda, um, and I thought that was just really good. Like she she comes off of, she doesn't come off as this kind of like nagging overprotected mother. She comes off as someone who who that comes from a place of, of, of reason in her mind. That comes from a yeah. place of trauma in her mind that mm-hmm. she is projecting onto her daughter. It's really layered storytelling that you just don't often see in kids in kids movies. Yeah. Right. I love I, when oh. I really Sorry, like okay. that, but I, I, I also like that they layered it with the mom. I think the important step was not just doing the overprotective stuff, but also doing the presumption that their child is perfect and infallible. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. You know, like the, the how quick she is to put this on everyone else. It's everyone else's responsibility, but her child's because her child can do no wrong and having to acknowledge that her child is her own person. Yeah, that's why she um, that's why she gets bad at the friends. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, really glad that not only did it happen in that scene, but it was cemented, you know, when she goes to Devin, when she talks about these other things, like, those are people who are going to 
manipulate and bad influence you and you'll make bad choices because of them but you won't make bad choices because you make bad choices yeah and that's what the the fight sequence almost at the it's almost a fight sequence that's what that's about where she's telling herself like i like these things i do these things i am my own person right uh, and that's heightened by this kaiju battle yes <laughs> even even once the in the epilogue where she says my panda my choice mm-hmm. yeah uh where real quickly the mom has a the, the mom okay the mom has a tamagashi panda i love that cute or, or even the grandma she's like has the four town thing and she's like number four so unlucky <laughs> she's losing at poker there's, four town. there's some oh there was something i was gonna say um shoot what was i going to say Ooh, about the mother no no it was about the friends it um, was how may oh it was when may and her friends try to come up with the scheme to hustle the panda to get money to go see the concert because when she does the presentation to her mom really it's just to convince her mom you can tell the dad's like yeah sure go have fun oh yeah the dad doesn't care yeah dad's like yeah cool have fun and the mom is like absolutely not you can definitely see the you could dip it's weird because i also i i connected with that part because i remember when i was a kid i had to convince my parents to be like hey this is something i want to do and i had to convince them that i was gonna be like let's do this and they're either yay or nay. And of course, when they go nay, I was like, I felt exactly like, man, it's like, come on, just let me do this thing. Why can't I do this one thing? Yeah. It's almost like things are universal. Experiences are universal. Yeah. I'm, I'm sub, subtexting about a review on, uh, what was it? New York Times or something? Whatever. doesn't matter. Um, is that, is that matter? Oh, are you Gow? talking about, are you talking about the person who like, Yes, it is, Madam Gao. Are you talking about the person who, uh, for our audio listeners, Mag brought up that Madam Gao is the voice actor for um, May's grandma? Um, uh, are you talking about the piece where, like, the guy reviewed Turning Red and was yeah. like, "This is for a certain demographic, and I'm not part of it, so I yeah. don't like it." And like, oh. God, get out of here! Wow. Um, someone said that. Yeah, yeah. I love the dad. I thought the dad was great. I love all the little bits with him. I love the emotional beat with him where he's like, I, I love this. Uh, when he finds the video camera, I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. Um, but I really, sweet. but I really love, uh, the, the, one of my favorite bits with the dad is when she's like, why don't you stay here with dad? And he's like, Oh, and then <laughs> she's like, no, 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 we're going to go now. And he's like, Oh, <laughs> he gets so happy. He's like, he's eh, oh. not even just happy. Like surprise. He's like, Oh, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed his energy so much. I love the friends. Abby is too much at all times, which I, I thought Abby, was really entertaining. Funny enough, Abby's my favorite. <laughs> you know why, Ben? It's because she's exactly like uh, the mannish voice uh, girl in the pink and purple from Gravity Falls. Yeah. 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 It's that same um, Speaking of LGBTQ, though, one of her friends is definitely a lesbian. Yeah. Or right. or buy at least. Yeah, and yeah. and and they, uh, you know, it's unfortunate how that probably ended up Pri- like that. Priya, right? Priya, yeah, yeah. The one, who, so. the one who's like straight faced, who's like has monotone and reads the vampire books. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Also, I just uh, love when this movie is based on, or where this movie takes place in 2002 in Toronto. Like you see, yeah. like the old text phones were like the old school text messages. Yes. I thought it was so interesting to set this in 2002. Uh, uh, obviously, some amount of like wanting to incorporate personal experience, um, but like, I I really liked that. I liked that like 
it wasn't mo- that that it was like set in a specific time. It felt nice. It just felt nice. It's it, it, it's a period piece, and I really hate that. <laughs> Why do you 20, hate that? It's twenty years ago, man. I was yeah. twelve. Yeah, that's true. Was. I'm thirty one. Yeah, we were, we were close. We were closer to May's age. That's we true. were eleven turning thir- turning. We were eleven turning twelve that year. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it you know it's kind of like Harry Potter our period films at this point. Um, you know it, it's one of those things where, boy, aging's a bitch. Um, yeah. I did really love seeing the recreation of that era, two thousand two, the boy band with the Tamagotchi with the flip phones, like all of it very relatable, very interesting to yeah. kind of revisit all that. And Four Town is, I'm a kid of the nineties. I love me some boy bands. Sure. I, and I was very happy to kind of get some good boy band music out of this. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> um, hold up. Before we go in, I want, so Mag is in the chat saying dad is the best cook. Yes, he is. And we were just talking about how the early late nineties or the two thousands culture of boy bands and Tamagotchi and everything. And the, the, the camera, the video camera that, um, uh, May's dad brings out is just, Sparks, yeah. you said it. You said it very well. That 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 video camera moment is is a very good emotional beat. I totally agree with that. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of period pieces, I really like how representative this is of not just growing up, but of the female experience of growing up. And mm-hmm. so I thought that that was really well done. It's my pun, yeah. but I also meant it. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought I thought that it just did a good job of like speaking to. Uh, the analogy of the female experience while also uh, just a more universal growing up, um, especially with parents who you kind of have to set a sense of separation and self-identity and when that happens and how that happens and recognizing when, when the value of your friends is important and when it isn't. And I thought that was done really well too. Also kind of like how Tyler becomes part of the crew at the end or the, the group. Tyler's arc. Tyler's arc is very well done. Of just the the bully turned supporter turned four townie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's trying so hard to hide it, and then it was like, "You're a four townie." He's like, "Oh," because he knows he's caught. Yeah, uh, the moment when May throws all her friends under the bus with her mom. Heartbreaking. Uh, uh, I I turned to Megan and I'm like, "This is sea monster all over again." Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I yeah I I just thought like they followed through on all the character arcs so well. Uh, I thought that the story was told really well. I love that animation. I think the comedy is really good. I don't know what the piece I think is missing, but there's a piece missing. Uh, the both the chases through the street with the panda running from the school and then running from the monastery to the to the thing. Very well animated. Love those moments. Awesome, beautiful music. Ludwig Ludwig Granson is the guy who did the music. Um, he did, for those of you who don't know, he's the Mandalorian, uh, Black right. Panther. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant. That dude is getting mad Disney money, and good for him because he deserves it. Um, he's yeah, good. Like the scene where where May is going from her family's temple to the concert, and she's turning into the panda and out of the panda at will. Like she has so control of it. It's like you go, girl. You did it. You got it's it. Such such good animation. Seeing the transformation between the panda and her, and uh, how they how she like. Is like launched forward with the when she's turned from the panda and then uh, really cool. I just I like this movie quite a bit, yeah. guys. 
Yeah, one more thing from Mag. Uh, even happy James Hong is in it. James Hong is a gal. I always loved his here, James Hong. Um, he's yeah. This movie's uh, great. I just remembered. Um, I definitely want to talk for a moment about the nightmare sequence. Oh yeah, straight out of a twenty-four montage, like <laughs> scaled down for children a little, but like definitely the kind of thing where I'm like, some kids have nightmares out of this, like one hundred percent. This is you some know, spooky I, shit. I for completely forgot about that nightmare sequence until you brought it up, Sparks. And I'm kind of mad at you for it now. The part, the part where Devin's just the merman, like flopping, like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like <laughs> and then it cuts to like a worm cut in half, and then like, I was like, you get like. Isn't part like Four Town like their heads are part of sunflowers or something? Something I like mean, that. To it be gets, fair, twenty four level weird. To be fair, this is by the same director who did Bow. Yeah, which is a pretty messed up short film. <laughs> but a really um, good short film. Yeah, I like yeah. that one. I like it more in hindsight than I did probably when I watched it. Uh, yeah, I just I think this was a, a great success for Pixar. I thought that the so. like overall. Just a really pleasant experience. Uh, I think they really they fired on almost all cylinders with with everything. Um, cool representation all around. Just really nice. Yeah, like a nice like a nice big warm hug by the end. A big warm fluffy hug. Don't think we have much more to add. Uh, no, we got like. a whole other movie to talk about. Um, I, I wish we got to see this one in theaters. Don't take like oh theaters. my gosh, oh, me too. I wish I had gotten to see this in theaters so bad. First, really want to watch it again. First thing I told Fanny, by the way, Fanny absolutely loved this movie. She was laughing throughout the entire film. I was curious. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing I was, tell, I was telling Fanny, I was like, why wasn't this movie in theaters? I wanted to see this in theaters. Oh, you know why, Ben. You don't need to ask Fanny that. Because, me? because Disney said no. Because Disney's a dick. And and Bob Chapek, Bob Chapek is only concerned with growing Disney Plus and not concerned with growing anything else. Okay. Yes, Mag, it is available at the El Capitan. Limited time. For one week. For, sure. For one week. Um, and in Oakland. And the El Capitan, by the way, is not, you know, IMAX compatible. Right. So. Right. Why don't we rate it? Um, what final thoughts and rate? So, Ben? God, I had a blast with this movie. I'm going to give this a, I'm gonna give this another 10. Two 10s in a row for me. This movie was that good for me. I loved it. Very cool. Uh, Sparks? I have to go with a nine. I wish I could tell you exactly what is the reason I have to give it a nine. I still don't know, but I know that there's something and maybe one day I'll understand. I probably <laughs> need to watch it again and think about it. I think I'm with you sparks there. You know, um, I've really loved it. I thought it was really great. I was, it was really funny. I like all the elements, uh, but someone's telling me a nine and a nine is pretty high. So yeah, that's not nothing to uh, scoff at. Nothing wrong with a nine baby. Nope. Um, so why don't we get into our next main topic? I shouldn't have done that. What a dick. <laughs> no, I love it. No, that was, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so now we're going to talk about The Adam Project, which is the other film that came out this week. Mm -hmm. Directed by Sean Levy, starring Ryan Reynolds. Um, this is Netflix's original. Um, full spoilers, if you haven't seen it, you've been warned. What do we think about this one? I really enjoyed it. Yeah? Garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. Total garbage. The whole time garbage. No, I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> I you're dancing thought, while you do that. I thought that it was pretty good. I think that it is helped a lot by a solid emotional core. 
and good performances. Mm-hmm. But the story, not 100% A+. Plus. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I, mean, fun. I still really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought this was exactly the movie I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be the emotional chorus parts. You even said very solid. Um, it's right there. Now, what I really liked about it was it wasn't the same movie as free guy. You know, it's not kind of laugh out loud, funny, like free guy is. Sure. Um, it is a different, it, it's, it's not necessarily a comedy. It's more of an action adventure. Um, and just kind of appreciated that. It's brilliant. Just what I'm trying to say with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked it. I really liked Ryan Reynolds in it. I really liked that kid. Um, yeah. I I will elaborate on what I was saying to say that I I think the emotional core is very good. I think that it this movie overall is a situation of actors elevating the writing. Uh, I I feel like all a lot of the stuff around um, Sorian, the villain. Yeah. is not great it's just not it, it's not hitting top top level for sure what there's I want not really there's not really a lot of motivation there i, not, I agree not, with that not only is there not a lot of motivation it's like there's it's like there's a lot of steps missing in like we are we are flung into who what she did and who she is so quickly uh and I, I think that the involvement of her younger version should give us some room to backtrack and kind of understand her better. And sure. it's almost like they wanted to walk up to that line, but they just don't do it. And so her whole thing kind of falls flat for me. Uh, even though I like Catherine Keener, I think she's great as an actor. Um, I don't think she's really given my, my, I have, I have a couple things uh, about this movie that, you know, kind of, heard it for me but i don't think she's giving a good performance in this no i don't either um, yeah, um and that's that's a bummer yeah the whole stuff was was saurian and even katherine keener like the scene where she's talking her her to herself like old self and young self it just felt very flat but that's not i mean like we were saying the part this the thing that makes this movie very very much work for me is ryan reynolds the kid whose name i completely forgetting and mark ruffalo that whole and Jennifer Garner do not not do sell. Not. Honestly, honestly, Jennifer Garner and oh, yeah, Zoe Saldana Garner, yeah. both super important to why I like this oh, movie. Yeah. Yeah, Even definitely. though they're not in it as much as the the three male stars that you just mentioned, both of them have scenes that are emotionally devastating. The, uh, yeah, and they the scene with and, Old Adam is a really good scene. And they are going for it, both of them. Uh, Jennifer Garner's scene with Ryan Reynolds is when I was watching the movie. I'm like, I mean, this movie's real good, even if the rest of it is shit from here, um, because yeah. that that was I was so emotionally engaged with it. And again, this is one of those situations where I'm like, these actors are raising this writing. Like the the writing's not terrible, but like they are they are taking it to the next level. Um, their performances are so on point that that yeah. is what is making the emotional core land for me. I just did a cursory glance at some of these other writers' uh, IMDb credits. They're not great. Um, two of them wrote Journey to the Center of the Earth, which I enjoy. Um, what, uh, one of them wrote Pacific Rim Uprising. <laughs> uh, so, like, you know, they don't really have a lot of like good, like really good stuff. I think this might be their best stuff, probably because what you're saying, Sparks, is that you know they're the actors are are helping the material, and I do think actually Sean Levy helps a little bit. I think he. Oh sure. 
he helps he the directing that he's going with probably even a hand in some of the story beats because of it helps I'm a sure. lot I'm sure he's bringing out some some of these performances from them, but I'm like the exact same dialogue scene of when uh, Zoe Saldana's Laura is telling him to go. That exact same dialogue, I feel like I've seen delivered in like sci-fi channel level productions, and yeah. it's like, yeah, all right, I but I don't believe the character the way I believe her when she's like screaming it at him and practically breaking down, crying, telling him to go. I'm like, mm-hmm. I believe it right now. I, be- and I Ryan believe Reynolds. it. So much, yes. They're they're so all of the actors, our our whole main cast except for our villain, are so committed to their roles that it makes everything sing, regardless of like where the other flaws are. Right. Yeah. I, I think I, what you're talking about Zoe Saldana's uh, bit when she's yelling at him to go, and um, Ryan Reynolds when he's leaving her, his breakdown. Yes. When he's in the car is very good too. Yes. Uh, there's there's a level of acting that it's not. I've I've seen it from Ryan Reynolds before, but I don't. We don't see it often. There's a level of acting that he's doing in this movie that I'm, I was happy that he kind of didn't shed it completely, but did did kind of break out of the, his little his his character that he plays a lot. I agree. I agree because I was nervous going into it that he was basically going to be like free guy again, energy yeah. wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get we get this uh, real emotional core. I keep saying that, but like this, this real emotional through line for his character that is, is dramatic and devastating. And like, he's a guy who's had a lot of shit life stuff happen to him. And excuse me, Zoe Saldana's Laura is the best thing. Yeah. So him, him like wanting to hold on to that so desperately, like, again, he's just, he's really selling it. They're really selling it. The kid's very good. The kid is very good at being a young Ryan Reynolds. Um, very good. Very good. Uh, but everybody's everybody's like meeting the material and more importantly meeting the other actors where they need to be. Mm-hmm. As far as like all the ones we just mentioned that aren't our villain or or Christos who just feels like you know yeah he's he's a bad guy. Um, that that's that's like that's where it feels like the weak element of the movie. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll totally agree with that. I I, um, I want to talk about Zoe Saldana a bit though. Um, so she came to the past in 2018 and she was stranded and thought dead. Um, and Brian Reynolds comes back to save her. I kind of, I kind of wish she was in the movie more, uh, or at least longer from that moment. I don't mind when she shows up, but I kind of wish she saw the ending through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is like, honestly, it's, it's, it's a role probably usually given to a lesser performance yeah, and a lesser actor. But Zoe Saldana like uses all the time that she has to make it impactful yeah. Uh, and that makes it memorable, and that makes you want more. And I, I agree. I don't think there actually is proper room in the story that they're telling for her. I'm glad we get like the button at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I agree with you, just because I liked her so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ben, you brought up the bar scene. Yes. Which uh, Ryan Reynolds? I yeah, that's a really good scene. Uh, in lesser actors, it's a worse scene. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds' face is so sincere when he's talking to Jennifer Gardner. Like, he is talking to his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of breaking down a bit. I, yeah, it's a really powerful moment that I just wanted to highlight again. Yeah, and I, I really like it. I love how she kind of gets at the She's like, this guy has seemed so familiar. Um Oh god, I was gonna go somewhere. more than you. She says more than he says. Uh, he loves you more than you know, which is kind, yeah. of, which is what young Adam said to her earlier, mm-hmm. and it kind of cues her into the fact that like, oh, th- was this my son? Yeah, right. 
Yeah, even when um when when we see Mark Ruffalo in the in his lecture hall, and he notices like and he says Adam, it's like damn, that was quick. Well, it's because he already knew time travel existed. He yeah. already invented time travel. That's right, yeah. one of the things I really like about the story about this movie. Um, is that when we meet Ryan Reynolds, we're already in an altered timeline. And mm-hmm. when we go to 2022, it's an altered 2022. It's it, t- the timeline has already been changed by the time we start the story. Um, and so we're we're going back to prevent that change. And right. and the 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 so initially there was time travel invented. There was a world where time travel was invented, and Mark Ruffalo had invented it, which is why seeing an older Adam to him, not that surprising. Surprising, sure, but like. I get why you're here because I invented time travel. Yeah. Right. Also, like, uh, like the another really good emotional beat. Like, you have the the emotional beat with him and his mom in the bar, but also with him and Mark Ruffalo, where he's like, "You're my boy." Like that whole scene was like, man, that just it gets you right there. Right. Where he's telling adult Ryan Reynolds, like, "You're my son, and I love you." He's like, "No, Dad, I don't." Need-. He's like, "No, you do." And even like we talked about this earlier, like the emotional parts of this film. Were, to me, they were more interesting than the A. The B plot was more interesting and more um, and better than the A plot. Like when um, young and old Adam are sitting down, he's like, dude, I know why you're mad. And he's like, no, he's mad because he was never. He's like, no, you're mad at him because he died. And you yeah, decided to hate him because I'll, he died. Yeah, I wanted to bring I wanted to bring this up. Uh, I think that the kid and Ryan Reynolds have very good chemistry. Um, oh, yeah. very, like Sparks mentioned, they're very good at playing the same person. Um, the kid is very easily matches Ryan Reynolds where he's playing the role. Um, and that helps the moment, like with the one you were bringing up, what they're having at the picnic table, where they're they're saying, where the kid is reminding him all the good memories that he still has haven't been tainted by time, by mm-hmm. his by his rage of being at losing his dad so young. Um, that those memories haven't been tainted yet, and he's reminding him of what those memories were. It's a very right. sweet moment. Yeah, I, I really like that. I agree. I agree with you. I think I like that it presents the the concept of like you know your your memories are altered by your perception as you get older, and like yeah. you, you can't retain perfect memory, and especially with something traumatic, and with rage and other emotions that come in, like y- it warps it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a good reflection on that. I think I think that's one of the stronger written scenes mm-hmm. of of the film. And then of course the performances are very good. Um, I do like. The- quick side note i do love when they are like they're outside the college and then like after they punch each other and he looks so young i was like why'd you grow up to be an asshole yeah <laughs> uh yeah i i think that they do i i agree with you brandon i do think it's a really interesting concept to already be in an altered timeline from the jump that that's yeah. what we're dealing with that that's what we're we're trying to work against for the plot like we never really get to the cemented timeline till the very end of the film mm-hmm. um and even that's a different timeline than the one that maya came from initially but but I also think that it uh, it does it start our villain off on on the wrong foot and yeah. like shortchange their development. That's why like I don't think that they're ever really able to quite land. Um, I'm sure there are ways that that problem could be fixed. I don't need to like ruminate on them too hard. I I just she she came in flat. It did not help that when we when we have to beat her younger version, her younger version looks like Tron Legacy level CGI. Looks not the aging. Uh, like it's it's that blurry sheen that they use for Tron Legacy almost exactly. I was like, Oof, this is uh, this is rough. Yeah. Um. I definitely in in like that and the third act, I could feel the movie pushing against its budget. Uh, with CGI, and I kind of wish it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I yeah. do think, speaking of the budget, though, I do think a lot of the action sequences are very good, and they're very well shot. 
Um, and it's a cool concept of like you have like a quantum time that you're that you have to exist in. If you die outside of that, it's messy. Right. Um, and that's how they visualize the deaths of the of these like of these like soldiers. Um, I thought that was a really cool concept, and and it helps that the action is also really well done. I thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Like when Zoe Saldana shows up in the fight scene in the backyard, I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah, yeah. and the, like you, they have this kind of like is what I really like is like these epic love stories and blockbusters that we don't really get anymore. Like this, we kind of felt like that that like lust towards each other that they that they they have this unspoken love that you can feel with the chemistry that they have. Um, right for such small screen time, for such small screen time, they have incredible chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really they really sell it. I uh, I think it works very very well. Um, yeah, I I. I I love uh, the needle drops. I think they're all well done and well mm-hmm. chosen. Um, I I think that they they sell the chemistry of that. I can't I cannot stress enough that I think like Jennifer Garner and Zoe Saldana are, are doing so much with so little. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like what what's put on the page, like they are not given a lot of time and they're not given a lot of uh, really like ambitious writing, but they are going for a performance and they are meeting uh, uh, where that deep emotional thread of what the story wants to be about when like the, the story's at its best because it's focused on what happened to adam because of him growing up without his dad and how that affected his relationship with all the other people around him and like the the different avenues it takes to explore that are really good uh the fact that it's represented by these these powerful performances i'm really glad we get at least one scene with jennifer garner and mark ruffalo together i mm-hmm. think she does some really great stuff in that scene like the uh she has the great line of um uh you know you don't need to be perfect he just needs you to be you yeah uh and like that that's okay um i think they they really do a lot of great stuff there uh it it if that weren't so well done and so well brought to life uh, by these actors, I think this would be a much lesser film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Um, Jennifer Gardner has a moment at the end when they're in the new timeline and uh, the kid hugs her. He has this moment of like he remembers the echo um, and that he he hug, he gives her a hug and you can see how, how important that was to Jennifer Gardner. You can see that in her face. Um, uh, it's a really powerful moment. Uh, Megan and I definitely thought that like the dad was going to be alive in the new timeline because we were going to yeah. find out that Serena had set up the car accident. I yeah, thought so I thought too. So once she was, so once she was erased, he was actually going to be alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I thought that's where we were going. I was kind of surprised that that wasn't it. Um, yeah. I, like I was expecting her. Cause like you can tell when she's like, when you see old Sorian and she's all, or old Maya, and she's all like saying, "Like I killed his wife twice." And I was like, "When's the drop? When's the reveal that she set the car crash?" I was like, "Oh, so that actually was an accident." Accident. Okay. I I also I also do like that she killed herself. Yeah. Like I nobody mean, kill yeah. nobody kills Maya. She kills herself. Right. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo just knew it would happen. Yeah. yeah. It's like armor piercing rounds. Just, just <laughs> kids, stay stay behind me. Actually, if we stay behind you, it would probably just kill us anyway because those are armor repairs. All right, then spread out a little. Okay, good <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. uh, the the banter between the three of them is very good. Mark Ruffalo can keep up with with Ryan Reynolds uh, in, in a way that I just didn't think he could. Yeah. Um, so, when they get out of the other elevator, so bring your kid to work day was a total success, huh? <laughs> uh, even the even when he's like eight, it's like who said that? You did just before you got arrested. I get what. Yeah, um, I like that. A young Adam is is so concerned with uh, 
like oh, we have a wife we get laid uh towards the beginning but like the 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 scenes that i there's two things that i, that I want to highlight i really like the, the every bit where they're in the jet i thought it was really cool like the idea that i need pure dna to open the jet and that's why he's that's why young adam is part of the action in the beginning and then that's why he becomes he gets into the jet and he's convinced because um we're like we're gonna go see dad we're gonna go we're gonna do, go do this in 2018 and and he's like yeah hell yeah uh the jet action sequence is really good and then um a lot of the stuff where they're when they're mimicking each other's movements mm-hmm. like with the food or with the the scar or mm-hmm. uh um I thought that that was very well done, and there's there's easy ways that could slip up, and they and they pretty much nail it. Tell you right. now, hawking the zip it at the same time. Yeah, or like closing the fridge the same way that that the kid does. Yes, mm-hmm. I all that very very good, like yeah. well thought out stuff. Um, really like uh the dad having read the room and knowing that uh he's not around for much longer, and yes. so giving that like message to them, and making that moment with them. Uh, and playing Ryan Reynolds, catch? Ryan Reynolds playing off of it, very good. The 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 end where they're playing catch, mm-hmm. which would have felt hokey without the scene between the two Adams earlier. Yeah, um, uh, but but they made it they made it work. They really do because it, it feels like you know they both of those Adams needed it in that moment. Yeah, they needed that moment with their father one last time, and they're they're even in the new timeline, they're just not going to get it. Yeah, and and seeing the the both the gloves on the ground when uh when it's he pretty gets hard there, it's like it's because you hope that they're okay i mean yeah we see um we see younger adam in 2022 saying bye to his mom gave her the hug and then we see when older adam is at the college and he meets his laura for the first time that's a very good scene Lindsay yeah. saldana the same mm-hmm. it's the same meet cute that he describes to him yeah really like that definitely like um speaking from from like my own personal stuff right now like just the scene with uh the dad expressing his <sighs> expressing his feelings for his son before he knows he's not going to be around anymore was like really like yeah all right you got it like yeah. dang hitting those feelings and uh it's it's another one of the reasons why like the bar scene hit really hard was because like i was thinking of my own mom and like how she's doing right now and uh definitely like they know what's up. They know what they're talking about. They know how to handle the material. Yeah. I really like this. I don't know if I have much more to add, though. I, I don't. I, I I really did, too. I, I really wish that there was some way to make, like, the villain at all more connected or interesting. Sure. Like, all the all the connection level feels so forced. To the point where, like, it's it's weird because it almost feels like she's a stranger to the family, but mm-hmm. she isn't. And that's part of the point that she is. Right, there's pictures of her with the family. Right. But like it all feels so like telling me, not showing me. Mm-hmm. Uh rather than her actually being close to them at all. Right. It, it, they're actively showing you, but not in a way that is in the performances. Like they're showing you pictures and you but you can't feel emotion from those from those pictures right you only feel they're, but you never feel the emotion with the actors they're telling me she's been close to them like when she's first brought up uh it's like adam thinks of her as like his friend like she's nice yeah. and she's friendly mm-hmm. and like we don't we don't really get any of that like that that dynamic of relationship between them and again like they kind of almost walk up to it with the young one but not really but the young one is still so cold they don't and... they don't go far enough like i can't i can't they didn't commit enough to like the young one deciding to 
to turn against her older self and like make a choice uh but they didn't commit to her making the choice to be bad they just left her in like this nebulous space of like i never knew what she wanted from moment to moment the young one specifically i'm like i almost wish she wasn't in the final act yeah like she just she just kind of doesn't add a lot because i can't tell where she stands with anything yeah i i agree with that um, I do want to highlight the the uh, final action sequence. I really like the um, the taking out the hard drive mm-hmm. uh, bit, a comedy bit, and like I really like the the design of that kind of particle accelerator that that sure. Ruffalo has created. And the idea is like, well, okay, if we do this, it's going to destroy 100 miles an hour, uh, 100 miles, 100 miles around, or or nothing. It just stalls and just does a loop and forever. Well, let's hope it's that one. Right. <laughs> um, I thought that was really cool, funny. Yeah. Should we rate it then? I don't know if. Sure. Ben, why don't you go first again? I'll give it an eight. It's okay. a. I still feel that the emotional stuff of the B plot essentially is what carries this movie and gives it such a high score for me. Whereas the main plot with the villain and Sorian is kind of is very middle of the road C C material. Yeah. Um, the action scenes I really enjoyed. The one liners are great. Like we said, Zoe Saldana, Jennifer Garner, bring it. Um, the chemistry between Ryan Reynolds, the kid, and Mark Ruffalo is amazing. Um, the chemistry between all of them is really good. So, yeah. I very well it. cast movie. Very yeah. well cast movie. So, yeah. I oh, give it an eight. Solid part. eight. Yeah, I think I think director and actors do a lot of favors for, for the material that's on the page. I think they, they take it to a new place and make what is is the good nugget in the middle of this story really sing. Mm-hmm. Um so like all said, like I think it's a very good sequel to Thirteen Going on Thirty. I really enjoyed it, and I'll give it a uh, an eight. Yeah, an eight. Yeah, I'm gonna go with an eight point five. Um, it hit most of it hit most every button, um, but the but Maya, um, I just I just don't think she's delivering a good performance. And I think if she if she met the material at, 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 as where maybe Mark Ruffalo did, like. I, I just think, think, I think we, even, got, we got something. I think even then, like the material for her needed to be better. Yeah. Like I think I think that's the thing is like there are there are dips in the writing for like a lot of the other characters, but they're able to like overcome it, and she's just never able to get over that that hurdle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I uh, yeah. yeah yeah I really yeah. I really uh, I really do think that there's something very special. I did not think it was going to be. Uh, as emotionally enveloped in in its personal story as it was. Yeah, I uh, I really like Sean Levy's current output. Um, I haven't liked all of his movies, but I, the four of them I've really liked so far. Uh, yeah, bring on Deadpool three. Let's do it. Yeah. Shall we go into a book club then? I believe sure we shall. Thing. It is my turn. Uh, I picked Batman. Uh, the Imposter, which is uh, written by Matt Tomlin, who wrote the Batman, the Batman, the movie we reviewed last week, uh, with art by Andreas Sorrentino, who's an artist I really love. Um, so, uh, what do we think about this? Guess I'm going first. Okay, um, I enjoyed this book. Um, <laughs> I really, one of the things I've been really liking about Batman stories is when it takes something. It's the world you know, but it's also something completely different. Like, this is a different Gotham. This is a different type of Batman. He doesn't have Alfred. And his essentially the person he, the main person he talks to is Leslie Tompkins. And I really like that, how it's, um, uh, what should we call it? I really like how Leslie's like, I'm going to 
I'm going to help you as a patient, but if you don't show up here, I'm calling the cops and your ass is grass. Yeah. Sparks? Yeah, I, I thought it was a a cool take on Batman <laughs> with the uh, psychiatrist angle and like that being kind of the running through narrative of analysis of Bruce. And I really like his uh, romance story. I thought that was really nice. Um, I think that carried a lot of the story through. Um, the imposter stuff is good, but like that, those being the frameworks, I thought worked really, really well. Yeah, and the art does, is nice. It does feel like Madsen Tomlin is not interested in the imposter storyline. It's just kind of a crux to get Bruce into a, into a specific emotional state. Yeah. Um, to which I, I don't necessarily think is a problem. I would like to have seen more of it. Um, I pretty much called it pretty early who it was. Um, <clears throat> but as Ben said, like it's, it's such an interesting take on Gotham because it, it shares nothing, no similarity to the Batman was the movie he wrote or um, uh, any Batman story because Gordon never was commissioner. Alfred, Alfred was so fed up with Bruce that he just left. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way, and the manner is just kind of run down at this point. I thought all that was really interesting concepts. And I love, Andrea Sorrentino's artwork. Um, I really loved what they did on um, Gideon Falls, uh, Old Man Logan with Jeff Lemire. Um, there's this thing that that they do, which I really like, with, that highlights within the artwork, not necessarily, like even with paneling, like there's a bit that I took a picture of where um, the, the the imposter Batman is in the shadows. And so like a, 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 a box will highlight the in the shadows Batman um that was a cool little art moment and then whenever he breaks the bones you see like the the impact art highlight kind of like does this black and white uh, x-ray highlight <laughs> of what they do just all little artwork bits that I've, i'm familiar with andrea sorrentino and i just think that the that's always really fun to see sure um but ultimately i yeah i think the emotional core of it i'd love i really like the new character um blair wong yeah, blair? blair wong, blair wong. Yeah, I thought she was really great. Yeah, I, I agree. I really like uh, the way their story develops. I like the paneling specifically at that point, which I remember really well of like when they're going out and you get like the mix of the blacks and the reds. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought all that was really lovely. Uh, I like the int- the use of the character Otis, It's even though it's very sad. Very, yeah. very sad. The rat catcher. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I, but I thought it, it was... It was decently well utilized. It feels a little emotional manipulation-y, but um, I still thought it was a cool idea for like a representation of having faith in a Batman and it's the wrong Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the there's the one panel. There's one bit that I really liked, which was it's a two page. It's two two page spreads where um, we see one the like the top paneling is batman's story and the bottom paneling is faded out and then that's flipped on the next page where the top paneling is wong's storyline and then the bottom paneling is the the previous uh, batman paneling but just faded out it's the reflections yeah the reflections i thought that was really really cool yeah i agree i i also thought of that as really really neat um one scene that really got me was i want to say this was bruce's second time seeing leslie tompkins and because they're going they're talking about why he's doing this why he's being the batman mm-hmm. and um it's it's a very small panel but it's like oh damn okay it kind of to me it it 
tells her how Bruce is convicted that he's working, he's making a difference. Because when he tells her that last night in 54 years, Gotham had its first night with zero violent crimes. And, and a tear? Very, yep, exactly. There's a tear oh. going down Batman's face. You could, and that's what, and that's where it's like, oh, he is convicted that this is working and he's truly making a difference. Right. Yeah. And there's the thing with at the end with Wong, because Wong now knows who Bruce, that Bruce is Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of a moment of um, a vulnerability, Bruce removes his mask to her. And uh, he says, like, look, at the end of this, uh, arrest me if you don't think I'm doing any good. And when she right. is arresting him and he says, if you don't think I'm doing any good. And then the next panel is that he's gone. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I right. thought that was really good. Yeah, also, I agree. I'm not going to lie. I really liked how they both fell for each other. I was like, oh, this is going to get ruined so quick. And also even yeah. the scene where it's where when Bruce talks to her and like he's co- like cooperating with the police and she's like, and he's like, hey, you kind of, we have so much to cooperate. And she instantly goes to like, oh, because our parents both died. He's like, no, you went to Yale. I went to Yale. We both dropped out and I went to Brazil. And she immediately, oh, I messed up. And they start yeah. talking about what they do have in common besides, you know, the big giant elephant in the room. Which is both their parents were murdered in front of them. Yeah, the she has the she has the narration, I believe, where it's they're having the date, and she talks, and her narration is saying that um, we didn't talk about our com our common interest. She, even in the narration, she's dancing around, but we didn't we didn't talk about our common interest. We talked about everything else. Um, right. I, I thought the relationship was really well built, and honestly, if it was just that if it was just a if there was no overarching like imposter storyline i think that this is still a good batman book Mm -hmm. yeah i do like uh two things about the ending i do really like the way that he explains you know the imposter kind of did his part and it's done no matter what now like there will always be doubt there will always be questioning of the batman now yeah no one no one will believe it right and uh the other part is uh i the the end of it the very very end of it where he's visiting the graves and he visits his parents graves but he visits her graves her parents graves too and then uh, he visits otis's with the flowers and i thought that was all really nice i'm really glad that they brought like that acknowledgement even of otis by the end of it i thought was really good yeah Yeah. there's the there's the 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 imposter storylines basically that this cop is upset uh, at what batman and gordon did when they took down these corrupt judges because it got all the cases thrown out so a bunch of hardened criminals went back out basically undoing like actual police work yeah that was an interesting angle that you never you never really think about because like when you think about like the corrupt judges in gotham a lot of the time it's framed that they didn't put away the bad people they only put away the good people that deserve to not be put away and didn't deserve to be put away um, but the idea that like, yeah, these judges were corrupt, but they still put away some really bad people. Like yeah. when the evidence was mounted against them, they couldn't do anything. They yeah. like they weren't paid to change those rulings, but like every ruling was overturned mm-hmm. by them. Yeah, it's right. it was a definitely a damned if you do, damned if you don't. So it's like, hey, let's put away these corrupt judges because once the families because once the mob families got involved, then it's like, oh, they're gonna let the mob families walk. So it's like sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so in a way, like what what the imposter batman was doing was you know damaging the batman brand knowingly but also but also kind of disillusion trying to trying to disillusion gotham with batman like you all think he's doing more good but he's not he put out he put out hundreds of hardened criminals right um just an interesting angle i never thought i never thought i'd see yeah Mm -hmm. i agree um Ben, do you want to bring up Brian's comment before we move on? Uh, yes, he says... 
Not the uh, first one. Not the first one. <laughs> um, um, always love the inclusion of Leslie Tompkins in the Bat Lore. Eight out of ten Bat Book. And she normally drawn. She normally not drawn black, which I thought was a, a cool addition to draw yeah. her right that way. Yeah, I. I thought this was a very solid uh, black label book. Um, I love how. What's I love how it's different. I yeah. love how it's a different and also just like the Batman. It's a. I don't want to say realistic, but a more down to earth, less um bonkers villains it's no it it, 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 you're you're right though like the writing the obviously it's the same writer it does share not necessarily the same dna but it does share a similar dna with the batman um not insofar as that it feels like it this is year three of the batman or year one of the batman or whatever you want to frame it but like it does feel like it's very much cut from the same cloth yeah um, and that was kind of fun to revisit after having watched the Batman and coming here because like, you know, Cobblepot's also in this one. Mm-hmm. Black Mask is in this one. You see Black um, Mask. Oh, that- yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that part where he describes like visiting the Penguin and the Penguin being convinced he was going to kill him, like almost pissing himself. Yeah. And Batman's kind of happy about that. Like he's yeah, like, yeah. I'm glad they're scared of me. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know what? There's something I was going to say because I know, obviously, when we reviewed the Batman last week, people were talking about how it's like there's a more realistic Batman, yada, yada, yada. I think down to earth is a better term because you can still have like those crazy bombastic villains. It's just that in this part of Batman's career, it's more street level crime. It's like, hey, I'm going to go after common thugs. I'm not going to go after giant megalomaniacs like the Joker or um, who's, another, who's another one? Uh, not Killer Croc. Well, Ventriloquist is in this. That's Ventriloquist. I did like that. Yeah. I thought that was a, a fun way to include that character, although I don't know if he's necessarily needed. Um, I really, I, I felt the same way until we got to the very last button with with Tompkins, and that he sure sends yeah. her like, uh, like it's like a message to her, like I am making a difference, and you're part of me making a difference. Yeah, because uh, he even says like, if you were going to send me to Arkham, you would have done it by now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Is that it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sparks, it's your book club next week. Hi, friends. We're going to read Bitch Planet, Volume 1. This is by Kelly Sue DeConnick, with art by Valentine DeLandro. So, check that out. We're going to do that. All right. Stay tuned. You're welcome, universe. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Next week, we don't necessarily know what we're doing. We initially thought we were going to do everything everywhere all the time it does not come out next week like initially thought it comes out the week after um so we'll see what we're doing next week so stay tuned for that okay. but until then you can like this video and you can subscribe to this channel mag of course in the chat saying to stay safe ben yep uh mag saying stay safe ryan is still here he's saying yeah kelly sue i'm assuming that's from everywhere everything all at once no, no. kelly sue DeConnick, who's i just oh, said oh, right okay. i'm sorry yeah my bad what happens when you read the comments out of order, Ben? Yeah, yeah, that is what happens when I read. The anyway, comments. subscribe to us, like this video. Um, you can check out all sorts of things on this YouTube channel, um, or if you just want to go to our YouTube channel, which is linked below, you check out uh, our Fickner's Watch series, which we have two currently going: uh, Star Trek Discovery uh, season four, almost done, and Star Trek Discovery season Picard. Star Trek, sorry, Star Trek Picard season two just started. Um, a new episode of that one's coming up, uh, but there are new episodes of both of those linked below. So there you go. Of course, Mortal Kombat X is our basement arcade series. If you don't know, that's our Let's Play series. 
Based on my pause, many new episodes coming soon, Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about that, so stay tuned for that. Fictor Book Club and Animation Station are all the shows you can check out on this channel. Yeah. Um, Crafted by Z Masks. Uh, she does some masks for us. You know, we're, I feel like I feel like we've kind of forgotten we're in a pandemic. So many horrible things are happening at once. Uh, but hey, we still are. Buy some masks yeah. if you want. Support us. We have a Patreon. We have a T Public. If you want to support us that way, our T Public has a bunch of cool merchandise, and our Patreon has um, the subscription tiers. I'm look. I'm gonna fix that thing. I'm so sorry that it's taken so long. Um, and our web. You can find all of these links down below, and of course on our website at fakenerpodcast.com, um, where it's basically a hub of the show. You can check out all those links there. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live stream. Thank you to everyone who watches the rewind. Uh, Grayson in the chat. Uh, yep. saying thanks for the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Same to you. And uh, Ryan, cursing in the chat. Band. <laughs> good night, effers. Good night, Ryan. Good night, Grayson. Good night, Meg. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci. Ryan, we miss you. Um, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci for our music, all the music that you've heard tonight, all the music that you hear on all of our shows. Um, you can find him at Jeremy Vellucci Keyboards on Instagram or his suburban proctologist podcast on Facebook or Instagram or iTunes. Just type in suburban proctologist, subproc podcast, suburban proctologist official. You'll find it. Thank you to Mike Matola, who's done a couple of our logos and some, and some uh, uh, fun collaborations um, over the years. We love that guy. You can find him on TikTok and Instagram on uh, at Mike Matola. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast, FickNerGuys at gmail.com. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out my screen rant, my screen rant writings, uh, linked below, where I write tons of stuff uh, for a screen rant. That's kind of my main job. Um, I also write for Atomic Geekdom, where I've been writing a series on revisiting the Infinity Saga of some of the most defining moments of the of the of that franchise that I believe uh, are. And I write, and I'm the editor for Kaiju Ramen Media.com. Uh, I'm just their website editor. So if you guys want to write some kaiju stuff, send over a piece and I'll, I'll get it published probably if I if I deem it worthy. Um, ben, where can they find you? Oh, man, I thought I had a laundry list. All right, you can find me staying way too late to try and become the Elden Lord of the Lands Between at BenMaga27 on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for Fusion Gaming Magazine. My first issue, issue 31, is coming out this month. When exactly, I'm not 100% sure. But this month, issue 31 is my first ever printed article. So yay. Actually, articles. I have two stuff, two things in there. So yeah, Fusion Gaming Magazine. I also write for GoNintendo.com. Like we said at the very top of the show, my very first review is on the website. More to come. And I'm still writing for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. So don't worry, I'll be posting stuff up on my uh, socials when stuff does go up. And also now you can also follow me on Twitch. I'm streaming Tuesday and Saturday mornings at two o'clock in the morning Pacific time. Yes, I know, but that's the only time I can do it. I'm sorry. What's Real your quick, uh, Twitch handle, Ben? Twitch.tv slash BenMagnet27. There we go. Real quickly, I completely forgot. I have another, I have a. I have an article this in, the, in this month's issue of Kaiju Ramen Magazine. Ooh. Issue 5. So that's my last thing. Sparks? You can find me locking it down at Key House and telling y'all you should watch Lock and Key on Netflix while I hop into a mobile suit at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. All right, then subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn. Oh, Ryan, we can find him at DJ Tony Snark. Um, he'll be back next week, and he'll be able to remember that on his own. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. Greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. And until next week, stay fake nerds.